0: Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon, A Song of Ice and Fire, Episode 65, Jon Snow in a Storm of Swords, 11. I am one of your hosts. Chloe, you might know me from the internet as Lies and Arbor on Twitter, Tumblr, or LiesandArborGold.com.
1: And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. You might know me as Glass Table Girl on Reddit, on the Maester Monthly podcast. Maybe you know me as a arithmetic over on Twitter. Maybe not. What if you don't? What if you don't? Good for you. Maybe you should. Maybe you should. I I, I say this every time. Maybe you shouldn't. Good for you. She has big Wooloo energy.
2: (gasps) Oh, Wooloo.
0: (laughs) Not only do we have big Wooloo energy, uh, this is a Pokemon podcast now. No, we have big Onion energy today, Eliana. Did you know this? Oh, wow. Uh, I did not. Last week, we had our buddy Matt from Davos Fingers On, and this week, we collected them all and uh our friend Scad is on with us you might know him from winning the ice and fire con performance contest this year with Eliana and uh also our fr- other friend Seth you also might know him from the youtube popular hit Westeros an american yeah. musical the hamilton and game of thrones crossover musical uh you S- may Scad hello
3: hello so glad to be here today thanks for and coming with, on with that dynamite intro <laughs> yeah if you watch that westeros american musical you can you can close if you look closely you can see me make a late entrance when i was supposed to bring a pitcher into the courtroom were you
0: you know no one would know that except now you just said it oh damn yeah just I like could, could so just
2: cut that just edit <laughs>
0: Another part of Skad's accolades is he
1: also won the performance contest completely on his own the year before performing the broken man yes. speech. He says, he told us that he didn't get all the words
0: right, but I'm like, no one fucking cares. Everyone was just like, oh my God, it's Skad. You could hear a pin drop in that
2: room. I was like, like,
0: ah. It was the silence was like so hardcore. They were just listening and like everyone was on the edge. It was very intense and the applause was like deafening. It was insane.
3: Yeah. It was a great moment. I enjoyed it a lot. It was. I've I've said this before, but uh, that was. I'm more. I've been. I was more nervous in that moment, especially after I butchered. It's really the opening line. I kind of like mix up a couple words. Whatever. Uh, and then I make one more mistake later. But anyway, I was more nervous in that moment than I had been in basically any other stage stuff I'd done. And it was. I realized later because the audience cared so much. Most of the time you're doing a play and most of the audience is like, at least half of them are like, yeah, I'm with my spouse or whatever, (laughs) or their kids and they don't care. Or, you know, like uh, the audience is not that involved. Every single person in there cared about this material so much. And so it mattered. And I didn't realize it until like halfway through. I'm like, oh shit, they care.
0: Yeah, you were fixing like season whatever for us. You were fixing Game of Thrones huh. for us. Scad fixed well, Game of Thrones single handedly. <laughs> he was also a writer a for season eight. So oh, so uh-huh. he also ruined kidding. it. <laughs> no, no, Scad has nothing to do with the show. Scad is ixnay out of there. He's like, get me away from that crap.
3: Yeah, I, d- I did stop watching the show, but it wasn't. It wasn't through hatred. It was more through like, uh, well, I'm, I don't have time right now. And then by the time I had time. I wasn't interested. Yeah, but
0: you, you chose a what? good time to do that with your life, really. I, I know a couple people that quit like around season five or around season four and just like gave up on it. And I'm like, that willpower, man, that's like that—that's the kind of Stannis willpower, except for the whole burning a kid thing. But like the Stannis willpower, that's what that is. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, shit. The,
3: the key to the whole thing, I think, is once I got to the point where I just had to not worry about being spoiled and just like realize that I care about the journey that George is taking us on and not worry about being spoiled. That's when it started to feel good.
0: God, you're our most enlightened friend.
1: You are. You really are. You and that both. (laughs) You're so peaceful. You're so at peace with yourselves and the, and the universe, I think no that's true not. actually i've seen you I, i've seen you get enraged never mind <laughs> i have heard him be uh what was the term again yes yeah, scad yeah is that the term i've that's heard? true i have i have yeah. seen that and heard that of so. you but you sound person. peaceful
0: right now like yeah. a lamb <laughs>
3: that's good the drugs are working <laughs> He's got two
0: sides oh wow
3: i'm in a, you guys can't see but i'm in a straitjacket.
0: jacket oh, oh God.
3: they just they let me record from the asylum occasionally
0: uh, only like once a month though and he was bad the past two months. That's why
1: there haven't <laughs> been any, now. any new
3: episodes. <laughs> oh, don't start rumors. Oh no, Skad <laughs> is the new That's Girl Gone Canon. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, put that rumor out there on Twitter, oh you guys. Skad is joining Girls Gone Cannon.
3: It, this is a tryout, actually. Like, yeah. Yes, yes, last week you had Matt, and now you had me. It's a tryout, is what it is.
0: Skad, what's your Zodiac sign? This is actually important. Are you a Skadatarius? Yeah, what
1: is your Zodiac sign? I don't
3: even... Oh man, I'm gonna put myself in hot water. I don't follow any of that. I think I think I'm a I think I'm a Libra. Is that a, is that a thing? That is a thing. I think that's what I am.
0: So um. no, you can't be the third cool cut. You can't be. Sorry that your tryout is wasted. <laughs> yeah. oh, well,
3: it was nice being here. Thanks for having
0: me. <laughs> All right, before Scad leaves, we should start our episode. But first, we have some housekeeping that we have to tend to. We might have to announce a new schedule change coming into the fall. Uh, With what looks like to be a very busy fall, we have the His Dark Materials TV show coming up eventually. Still no release date. I'm banking on November. You guys can join the betting pool. I don't know where it is, but you can join it. Last week of the month, we are planning on Noah's Song of Ice and Fire episodes that last week. Uh, We've kind of been pushing it very hard, and we think that we want to do two His Dark Materials episodes a month. And take the last week off of John for now. We will update you more as that progresses. Yes. I
3: just wanted to drop in. You guys are brave for tackling his dar's materials. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, can they really do a whole podcast on tokars and pit fighting and honeyed locusts? And I'm... I haven't I haven't yet listened to His Dar's materials, but I'm really excited to.
1: And I think we could. I really think we truly
0: could. It would be fashion hour for literally an hour. As we discuss the cars I'm out here like patting my stomach and being like, "You have it so many bell in this thing."
3: Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh he deserved better. I
1: know every time. <laughs> Here's my theory: I think some of you guys are behind on our podcast, anyway. Yeah, oh, so fuck. I'm behind on our podcast. Yeah, fuck, I mean. we're behind. <laughs> Christ, what is this? Where are we even? We're we're, we're in the machines. middle of John's storyline, and you know. We're here with our boy. We've been with our boy for a long time. But also we want to go hang out with like our other girl, Lyra, and, you know, other characters, right? Um, in his dark materials. And we thought oh. it would be a good way to shake things up. You know, it, it's going to be fall. And I think that fall is a time. It's a season for change. And, you know, we're growing up. Are you convincing up,
0: me or them? I'm gonna, I don't know. Are you breaking up with me? <laughs> this is what it sounds like. Scad, can you, like... Come in on this. You hear that? it Sounds like she's dumping me. Right? Chloe and
1: I are opening our relationship to other book series.
3: I don't know. So, so far, we've broken up the Davos Fingers podcast <laughs> and the Girls on Cannon Cop podcast in like twenty minutes. So
0: this is a disaster. Let's
3: see what let's see what we can do to not a cast and see if yeah. we can bring down Radio Westeros and History Westeros. Oh, I've got we're in. I've got
0: in,
1: so I'm in. We're not breaking up. We are opening opening our podcast relationship to
0: other book series. This is an open podcast. oh my God. So we're gonna increase our his dark materials. Those of you that aren't reading that and you are solely here for John, uh, don't worry, you're gonna get some treats along the way, I'm sure. and we will be finishing John up. Uh, we're finishing up a storm of swords soon. And we're moving into a, a Doada, a Dance with Dragons. So. A DOADA. And that's going to be a heavy book. We have a lot of really cool guests. We've been really blessed to have this week and last week Davos fingers on. We, Like I said, we collected them all uh, kind of like your Pokemon card binder, you know, and you're just like, I have them. We want to keep bringing you exciting John episodes. So to avoid the burnout, we're going to strike that last episode off the month and hope that it gives us all a chance to breathe and catch up.
1: Speaking of things that have gone really well in these John chapters, I want to share a comment from Podbean from Brian of Farce. grew Kit, Chloe has now become the gold standard for
0: John's voice. Tis a queen hiding under the snow. Snow, Ned! I feel like I have to give a response in Kit Harrington voice, in John voice in
2: like, That's very kind, but it's disrespectful, Brian. Lord Brian. Oh, I thought
1: you were going to say, I never wanted it.
2: I never wanted it <laughs> I am no lord, Sire
1: That's you. This is You got you all have that to look forward to. I think we just wanted to also put a gap in between episodes. We didn't wanna we didn't wanna wear you all out on Chloe's talents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got a tweet from, from Virginie V D A K A S I N I on Twitter. Follow her, she's fun. But she enjoyed last week's episode. Uh, she said, "I hope you guys guessed together more times together." I laugh remembering the crack-up dialogue about how Scad always tells Matt what to say, and how Matt closed on, "He's daddy only when I want him to." Oh, and Stanis, Stanis, Stanis. We should do a second take just in case. And she says, I was unlocking my bike after paying a bill for that one. And there was a woman who was staring at me weirdly. I went from puffing, laughing to grinning like, don't worry, it's just a silly bit in a very grown up radio
2: program.
0: <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> uh, <laughs> it was a really fun episode. No, no, no worries. Skad. you just have yeah, a lot Sked, to, up to yeah, you live up to it. Yeah, you gotta live up to no this. No pressure. No mm-hmm.
2: pressure.
3: There's no way I can. I listened to that episode twice. I had so much fun with it. And uh Yeah. matt matt's amazing you guys treated him with love and respect uh, but not too much and it was great
0: (laughs) what's too much don't answer that um (laughs) he actually responded to uh virginie's tweet and said he did do the second take to give me options and i did keep them he says the fact i kept them in is a testament to my brilliance frankly i agree thank you truth but I, I couldn't choose between them because it's always been hard. To choosing, the choosing has as always been hard. <laughs> and uh, it, it was just, he was brilliant. I'm really excited to have you on, SCAD and to get into all of this, like our lightning round, because I know you're going to, you're, you're acting all humble, but you are going to bring it for this episode. I am excited. You have some great thoughts to share already.
3: Well, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, it's ironic because Matt and I never do second takes. Uh-huh. So the fact that he thought he would throw that in for you, is like Special. all right. <laughs> maybe, it's oh, saying, maybe it's him saying.
1: Maybe it's him saying. Scad, we should start doing second takes. Mm, you're breaking up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's bust right into our lightning round. I hope you are prepared for your first lightning round, Scad. There will be a pop quiz after. Just kidding. It's the episode. In, Where's my buzzer? In Aria thirteen. Is there gold hidden in the village? Is there silver? Gems? Is there food? Where's Lord Beric? Where did he go? How many men were with him? How many knights? How many bowmen? How many? How many? How many? How many? How many? How many? Is there gold in the village? Samuel 4
3: Life with Stannis at Castle Black has changed a few things. Gilly nurses the orphaned wildling Prince and her own son, and Sam plays political intrigues before asking John, Could there be honour in a lie? If it were told for a good purpose. Thank you so much. Was that was that Wham! Fam? Uh, beautiful memories coming yes, back.
0: Yes. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's fine. Just keep going, Ellie.
1: John Eleven. Stannis offers John everything that he's ever dreamed of. Writes to his home, a ferocious wife in the north. But John hesitates. Is he a man of his honor, who is the shield that guards the realms of men, or an oathbreaker
0: turned cloak,
1: damned?
0: <laughs> So John is down in the yard. He's helping Satin, practicing fighting and defending.
3: Yeah. He's uh you miss though, he's prowling. You
0: guys. He's <laughs> prowling
3: Around Satin.
0: Mm, like a wolf. Yeah. I hope true. you're excited
3: because this is exactly the kind of uh drop ins you get when you have my talents on a podcast.
0: <laughs> I do like that. It's very uh animal y, you know, very dragony, wolfy, whatever we want to go with for John. They uh they keep practicing. Satin stops. John is like, why is everyone shutting up? Like, why is no one, everyone just stopping? And suddenly he turns and it says, when he turned, she was standing behind him with half a dozen queensmen around her. It's not... Selyse, by the way.
1: It's not. And I think that's part of why I like the way that this was written for for John, because it, in many of the other chapters, until we get to Melisandre's POV, of course, and Chloe and I talked a lot about Melisandre Um, with Quinn on Ideas of Ice and Fire, Melisandre's portrayed as very ominous. And the way that this chapter delivers it is by introducing it first as, like, she was standing behind him. And they don't say who it is at first, they just do the she, and along with that hush in the yard, and then the half a dozen queensmen. And it really goes to show, you know, the queensmen around her,
0: etc. Her power, as opposed to Stannis's and And he finds her really unsettling because of her whole look, her red eyes, her pale skin, everything, yeah, her aesthetic
3: <laughs> you know the the red eyes are interesting it's it's amazing how many things you miss in this series, and then you just get them on rereads or when you get invited onto a podcast with some of your friends. <laughs> the red eyes never stuck out to me, but ghost has them too, and you know the old gods and and R'hllor and um. You know, is is that a coincidence that these things are kind of ideas that are similar but also fighting each other?
0: They also have all those symbols, right? They have blood and weirwood paste, blood sacrifices, and the red almost always seems to be that magic the power behind the magic, in a way. So just having her completely wrapped in red, and of course uh, she's the temptress too. You know, I mean that's something we're going to talk about today, I'm sure. That she really resembles fire and power, and she's described as red, like awful and red is the very first thing we learn about her. But you know, little yeah. on the nose, little on the nose.
3: <laughs> a little, on, uh, exactly what I was thinking on the nose. That she's all red, yeah, and yet ghost and the weirwood trees are just a little bit red. Maybe it's just you need some, but not too much.
1: It really depends on what kind of fashion statement you want to make, you know?
2: Yeah. Sometimes
1: yeah. you want to go for the monochromatic look. Oh my god. Sometimes you want that accent <laughs> piece that is your eyes. Depends.
3: But Totally depends.
1: She's here because Stan. Just like Gambit.
3: <laughs> oh my god.
1: She's here because Stannis wants to chat, and speaking of accessorizing, etc. John's-, John's not ready. He's not dressed for this.
3: Yeah, it, you know what, it feels like a throwaway, like, oh, I gotta change my clothes and look better. But also, I think this is, this foreshadows the coming discussion a lot. Hmm. He could have just been like, yeah, okay, let's go. Instead, he, like, throws his sword in the ground and is like, no, hold on, on my timeline, I have to go do something first. So he's not just at their mm. women will, he's doing this with a little bit of, just a li- a, li- a little bit of, no, just wait a minute.
1: I think that's a really great point because John delaying is its own showing, as you said. Like he's he doesn't necessarily answer to Stannis. He's grateful, of course, but that is a great, I think, power move.
0: I also think it's interesting that he wants to change to meet one of the kings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's another showing that this is, in a way, like the not anti, but like a sub subversion of like robert coming to winterfell this is stannis coming to the wall and john's basically in pseudo power here right now right i mean obviously Alistair thorne and Jano slint have been pretty shitty but john was you know he had the wall for a while and obviously stannis is respecting john he's not calling Alistair thorne in his office to talk to him or uh Jano slint he's calling john so the fact that john also takes kind of the moment to go to my room take my time get ready um I think that shows something with his upbringing and showing respect to that position of power, which is interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: We shall await you atop the wall," said Melisandre.
2: We, Jan heard, not he. It's as they say. This is his true queen, not the one he left at Eastwatch.
3: <laughs> it's it's pretty great. Thanks. Uh, nothing prepares you. Uh. For it. <laughs>
1: Every time, every time, like, Chloe knows, I, like,
0: get so giddy every
1: single week when she does it for the first <laughs> I time. I don't
0: know how it got this good, too. Because I mean, it started off okay, but then somehow I just, like, got it. I don't know. I don't know.
3: Practice, practice, yeah. practice. Some
0: guy was doing the voice drunk at Dragon Con, and I had to bite my tongue because all I wanted to do was be like, mine's better. <sighs> <laughs>
3: Oh, uh, you gotta, gotta, gotta a jaw off.
1: Yeah. Oh, ew. <laughs> oh, ew. Keep Ooh. your jaw on. Oh, uh, Santa wants yeah. a john off. Oh yeah, he does. So I've
3: got questions about all this, all this Mel at his side stuff. So they be banging, right? We we kind of assume or know that, right? Yes. But why though? <laughs> so, so she, so so no, because like, what does Mel get out of that? So so obviously she's trying to like prop him up and like you're special, you're our dude, you're the one. But, like, she doesn't need to sleep with him. So, what does she actually get out of that? Or is it just part... Is it, like, maybe she's like, I, I yearn for you, Mr. J. Like, what what is it? Right? I think
0: it might be power-based because, I mean, we see that sex created the shadow babies, right? I mean, obviously, that yeah. power. And not to make it all, like, love is power, man, 60s, 70s. Like, love is love is all the magic you need, man. Pass, pass a tab. But... Maybe, like, love magic is hinted at being more powerful in a lot of fantasy fiction. I mean, love and promises and sacrifices and shit like that. I mean, look at Liana's blessing. Yeah, Harry Potter. Look at Liana's blessing over John, the other boy who lived, you know. It is something that she can use for her power, so maybe it keeps her strong. It might feed into whatever mechanism keeps her, you know, powerful. And it is his ego, because if she loses him... Everybody is following them because of A, her power, and B, because Stannis is that uh, that mummer's dragon, you know, in her own way. That's her mummer's dragon. So him being in that head of power, it's really funny, too, because Cersei in A Clash of Kings says she can't seduce her way out of death by Stannis, but it's not the right type of seduction. She doesn't have the right power to offer him, and Mel plays into that, and I think that's how she just keeps him tied to her, whether it increases her power and his ego or what. Okay, so that that's an interesting
3: answer to my question. Do you think, then, that she started that, like, kicked that off because she wanted... You used love, which, man, I don't want to call what they have love. Well, but, no, not them. Uh, sex, at least. Yes. Uh, Like, did she initiate that? Or was... Because he seems totally asexual in that regard, like, not wanting it at all. Or do you think, like, he started that? And she's like, yeah, okay, I'll get the king's blood out of that.
0: It was probably her. I mean, she did come to him. I think that was what the most important thing is. You said it already, but like he he's been wanting to be called special his whole entire life. And he has the middle child syndrome and no one has ever told him, yes, Stannis, it is you that has the destiny for this greatness. And you are a Um And I think it's very symbiotic, their relationship, because without him, everyone leaves. And if he doesn't win, then she doesn't win. I mean, she's championed him. So if she loses, he loses and vice versa. Um, so I think it's very symbiotic in that manner. And power, we also talked about magic with Quinn from Ideas of Ice and Fire at length about Melisandre a while ago on his YouTube channel. And like, we got into this conversation of how, you know, the whole idea of power resides where men think it resides, right? Well, yeah, Absolutely. There's a certain magic behind that, too. I mean, if you have enough charisma and you have a handful of people that are strong enough supporting you, then you can dominate a whole entire land and make them think it was fine.
1: I want to raise, like, a couple of questions. Um, I absolutely agree with what you were saying about, like, you know, the power that she was able to... or the type of seduction she was able to provide Sanus was helping him feel, as you said, special. But I wonder if some of it, like... I don't know if there's, like, a magic to it necessarily. A, I don't know if she approached him first. I think she did, but I wonder if Celise had a part in that, if she kind of presented Melisandre to Stannis, you know, in the way that, like, Sarah, right, presents mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. maid to Abraham or something and says, here's here's my maid, have some sons with him or whatever, And in, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But also, I think there's, like, I wonder if it comes back to if there is a magical aspect to it, Melisandre mm-hmm. did she have a background as one of the like sex slaves in the temples of R'hllor? Yeah. Because that is a thing uh, amongst the R'hllorian religion.
0: I do think that's going to be, I mean, and we get Mel's POV, obviously, and the Melanie Lot 7 plays into that. Yeah. So I could definitely see that coming into play. And then on top of it, like, you have her half seducing John this whole time, too, and her, like, obviously really putting the charm on. And I think it was stupid show only when she, like, went to Davos and was like, you know, if you ever wanted to, we could make some really sexy shadows. But was that also in his chapters? I don't don't think so. I don't remember that. Yeah, I think that was. I show can't only. imagine
3: what Davos. Here's why I don't think that happened. I can't imagine what Davos' response would have been. I, t- <laughs> I, I, I mean, he would have been insulted, but I, I, I can't even imagine it. But that, but that show, that show canon, if you will, sparks an interesting thought. You know, like, does sex itself just have power, and it doesn't mm. have anything to do with the king's blood? Because Davos doesn't have any of that shit in his blood. I think
1: that um, that was an argument in House of Cards at one point. That sex is all about power. I don't know. But also, is Melisandra, is she just like, I don't know, some dicks better than no dick. Disagree, but it's an assertion that can be made.
0: Yeah.
3: That's part of what I wonder. Does she just yearn, you know, we're all human,
0: right? Most of us. I like to think uh, of that as like know. very succubus. Yeah, I think that
1: she's absolutely, I think presented as a succubus mm-hmm. in the
2: story,
0: and she has For all sure. of that like representation of like not only like red haired witch is like totally a thing trope wise as far as fantasy and historical fiction kind of goes of you know the redhead that casts spells. We see it with Danielle mm-hmm. Lostin. Uh, you see it, you know, Sansa's even kind of regarded as it when she flies away like a bat. But I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting discussion, and that's why I hope. The Melisandre chapters we do get, I, I hope we get more because that was an interesting POV that really changed the game, I think, for that character. Getting Melisandre's internal thoughts and realizing she's not just like this awful seductress. Like, yeah, she has a scheme slash plan, but it's also because she is seeing visions that she half the time misreads.
1: Yeah. yeah, she just goes too far. She goes too far, and sometimes it's just like, Melisandre, what if the curtains are blue?
0: It Before, before her
3: POV chapter if not for Davos seeing the shadow baby crawl out of her, I was fully on board with this is all smoke and mirrors. Um, and you get that chapter and it changes everything. Like, she believes all of this full tilt.
1: And it's funny because, like, as as you said for smoke and mirrors, she does say that some of her shit is smoke and mirrors. So it's Melisandre's an interesting character. I'm excited to see more of her POV and and wins, you know. Eventually. Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) Okay.
1: But, you know, after she comes to him, then John has his whole makeover scene. He wears a heavy black cloak, which is tall, and he accessorizes it with long claw. And I think that this is a really interesting gesture for him to do that and for that to be pointed out before he meets a king. Because I, I... Speaking of reading too much into things, like, I might be reading too much into this, but I feel like bringing your sword... Is kind of offensive, right? Or, or at least it gives that air of apprehensiveness because it comes with that like possibility of, you know, I don't know, it, he could pledge his sword. Though everyone knows that the Night's Watch doesn't really do that, so it kind of feels more like it's protective and a little bit offensive because we see it, Rob in a Game of Thrones appears with his own sword bared across his legs. This is a typical symbol within the North of unwelcomeness. So bringing a sword to this meeting could be a sign of john's own mistrust of the king and i i think it's it's kind of intentional for this meeting he's publicly signaling it to stannis
0: yeah i think you're right especially because like to go fashion hour which we haven't done in a while because oh. we've been wearing mostly black cloaks and uh wildling first well we talked
1: about it a little with the with how he dresses yeah. with the wildlings you know yeah. every now and then
0: Every here and there, but it's been a while, right? Because we kind of get it gets boring to talk about it every week when it's just black clothing. But he chooses his heavy black cloak and like his finest, longest black cloak for this, and I think that's also showing like he knows whatever Stannis asks of him, he's not supposed to say yes because he can't meddle in the realm's affairs, right? And so he's wearing his finest, heaviest black cloak, longest cloak as a result to that as well to make sure he's reminding Stannis, I am a man of the Night's Watch. Remember that. Mm, yes,
1: absolutely
3: Absolutely, you guys, you guys reached way deeper on that than I did I just thought, man it's cold on the motherfucking world <laughs> It's also I'm that his heavy cloak. It is
0: cold, I mean, to be fair But I, I can definitely see where that would come in Yeah Against the cold
1: <laughs> And then so he finally meets up with Stannis And here's what Stannis wants um, Melisandre says to him All you have to give Jon Snow, he is a king Ooh. And a kind of lewd. B Yeah, the- I was thinking like that's definitely a lewd joke, right? <laughs> it, it it the language reminds me, granted, the, this book came out Storm of Swords came out way before Fire and Blood, but the language reminds me of the words that Cregan Stark says to Black Alley of like, all I ask is all of you forever or some shit. But
2: Oh yeah,
0: I I like that. So she
3: spe- she specifically brings that up, right? That sh- that her maidenhead is not there and she can't give him Oh, uh, true. Um, She can't give him that. I think she brings that up. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, You can see those implications, right, of her, like, lacing her hand along. Well, uh, she's obviously throwing the cat around here and there to try to be like, let's make some magic. You want to make some magic? So I feel like uh, some of her forebodingness here is kind of like that on purpose, right? Like, she is trying to keep it vague to keep her options open because... I mean, if she squints real hard in those visions, she might see some snow, Ned.
3: <laughs> it's it's hard with Mel because she kind of always speaks with this layer of of importance and impressiveness and doom or prophecy, like almost with everything she says. So it's hard to read too much into it. But she's definitely using keywords and things that you don't use if you're not trying to create an air of... of intrigue and mystique yeah. and you should want me and the, the, she's definitely approaching it from that bent it's clear.
0: Right I don't go get my nails done with sexy red acrylics and wear red lipstick in a short little dress and go out if I'm not trying to look hot like I get that like Mel girl you're fronting and I get that so I do get that like she's obviously always got that and it maybe it's also the way George is writing it, let's be fair, because uh, I love George, but look at who he is and his age and <laughs> his gender and his, you know, time on Earth. That And uh, he, he you know, uh, titties are great. I agree. So he's like out there with the red priestess being all like, here I am in my sexy red outfit with my sexy red hair and my sexy red blood magic. Um, I, I feel like it's a little heavy handed sometimes. <laughs>
3: It is for sure. And, you know, it's, it's hard because I usually take the approach of authors are very, very careful with the words they choose to put in and not put in. They go through and edit and edit and edit. And other times I'm like, man, they just wanted to add the word sexy a bunch of times. Yeah, I swing back and forth.
0: Can you believe that George was very specific when he wrote Fat Pink mast."
3: Uh, I can believe it, I and believe I'm thankful it. every day. Oh
0: my god, thankful. <laughs> one like is one prayer. <laughs> <gasps> oh.
3: No, I don't know how important it is, but it's it's just, and maybe it's just a mistake from George's writing again, but uh, she says she'll meet him atop the wall with Stannis there, mm. and instead she waits at the bottom so she can ride the winch up. So, you know, did she just like like what she saw in the yard for that playful, <laughs> sexy discussion we just had? Or did she want to have a discussion with him about Stannis? Or I don't know. It's just it's just interesting that she decided to wait and go with him instead of go up on her own. It could be as simple as logistically the cage was at the top and she had to wait. I don't. Yeah.
1: Sometimes I get distracted and I'm like, I'm going to check my phone here for a second. <laughs> Melisandre checking checking a small fire. <laughs> Melisandre's
0: checking her tweets. Have any Have any
3: Pokemon yeah.
1: popped up around here? <laughs> <laughs>
3: God damn, they're all ice. They're all water types. Oh,
1: they would be. I bet there'd be a lot of dark Mm. types too as they head up. John thinks of egret being kissed by fire, as he notes that Mel smells like hot iron, and and the words that he uses are smoke and blood.
3: Yeah, smoke and blood. Mm -hmm. And I've got something on this. If you'll just take a little reading, John fell to his knees. He found the dagger's hilt and wrenched it free. In the cold night air, the wound was smoking. Smoke and blood. And from that aforementioned chapter, uh, Mel's POV, the red priestess shuddered. Blood trickled down her thigh. Black and smoking.
0: So when you like wrote those, they reminded me of a lot of other passages that are so specific. Like I feel like this is totally a thing. I want to go follow everything he's written of smoke and blood now because of that.
3: search of ice and fire is our friend. I
0: know, I know. And also, if you guys are listening and you have ever used a search of ice and fire or you want to, please give them a quick donation because they might be putting fire and blood up and they have to host this website that we all use all the time, so. (laughs) Absolutely. I saw,
3: I think it was Aziz's reminder of that earlier on Twitter and got to go do that myself. It sounds like you were the one that did the deep dive on the blood and smoke. I just wanted to point out that I think, I think George is using... I think he's being careful with the language and using smoke and blood to tie these two together. And I think it it definitely hints at something that we all fucking know, right? I'm not breaking any new ground here, but right. that she's going to bring him back when he dies. Oh. oh, it's so nice not to have spoilers. When he dies at the end, <laughs> uh, if she, if she's going to bring him back. And this is just more language kind of tying that together because George is... A master.
0: This might be a little reachy at some points, but it reminds me of Daenerys and Drogon. In the pits, uh in Danny Nine in a Dance of Dragons, his head turned, smoke rose between his teeth. His blood was smoking too, where it dripped upon the ground. He beat his wings up again, sending up a choking storm of scarlet sand. Danny stumbled into the hot red cloud, coughing. He snapped. And it also reminds me. There's some language of that with Victorian's arm as well, which we know gets fixed, and it has blood and smoke, and uh, that's he's getting it fixed by Makoro. And then there's that prologue too, where we hear it from Varamir that he smells man smells, old skins, dead and sour, near drowned beneath the stronger sense of smoke and blood and rot. So very foreboding. There's so much like little just smoke and blood all throughout. Up until the end of *A Dance with Dragons*,
3: yeah, that's that's really cool. The Victarian one, uh, obviously linked uh, to Melisandra yeah. in ways, um, you know, and, and his use with smoke and blood tying them together. Uh, Danny and um, uh, obviously Varamir ties his tie to John very clear, hinting at that. Uh, Victarian's an interesting one.
0: Yeah, the dragons too, like the, their blood. I mean, their magic, fire made flesh.
3: But it also it brings Danny into this relationship that I've concocted in my brain of between Mel and John. And how does that how does that work? How is how is she related in that whole game? There's obviously the 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 vagish they're all magic kind of thing going on. But is there more something more tangible uh, there with the, the life and the death? Oh,
0: no. yeah and once we get uh you know like marwin the mage and more macoro stuff going on i feel like maybe a few more answers might come there or more for me and you to sit here and be like oh my god and then it reminds me of this thing <laughs> so i can't yeah. wait i need
3: more now i'm gonna have to go back just to try to bring the danny tie into the john tie i'm gonna have to go back and read eliana's essay for the third time <laughs> if you guys haven't read it Go read the Many-Faced blog. You can just Google Many-Faced blog and you will find it. And it's an amazing essay about Danny's journey. And it made me think a lot because I was preparing for this episode while I reread it. It made me think a lot about the journey, the journey that John takes yeah. and some of the things that make him a little tragic, but not exactly the same. Yeah. Anyway, go read that essay. Many-Faced blog, go.
1: <laughs> uh I think it's interesting that you chose to read that in preparation for this episode, because it's technically not really about John. Uh, but yeah.
3: No, I know it's not at all about John. Yeah. Uh, I read it because I felt guilty for not having finished oh. it when I told you I would. I
1: mean, that's how <laughs> you I had feel it I today. It, that's how I feel. And then I reread it when I realized I haven't sent you your shit yet. So.
3: <sighs> <laughs> Do not feel guilt, but I'm so glad I finished it today, or it was yesterday, uh, because there's so, so many things, so many ideas came out.
1: I'm glad. Maybe this means I'll send you your thing now. Who knows?
3: Don't worry about that. Uh,
1: but, you know, on the opposite side of smoke and blood, you have this feeling of coldness, and and John and Melisandre actually have a discussion about it. The ruby at her throat seemed to pulse in time with the beating of her heart. The Lord's fire lives within me, Jon Snow. Feel. She put her hand on his cheek and held it there while he felt how warm she was. This is how life should feel, she told him. Only death is cold. It, this is very- Speaking of, as you all were saying about her maybe making moves with John, this is very forward. I don't just go up to people and touch their cheeks unless I'm that trashed. Oh <laughs> and at that point, it's not sexual. I'm just like, oh my god, I'm so happy <laughs> to see you. But, like,
0: it's, it's very yeah, it's a intimate. It's deliberate. Oh, yeah. It's deliberate for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely trying to entice him. Like It's very much playing that temptress and that's what Stannis is about to do as well. He's about to play that temptress but it's tempter, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: interesting. That is
1: interesting. And so regarding Stannis, I, I really love the language in this chapter. I think that they did, you can tell George was really into this chapter and the things that are going to come in a bit, but he he did a great job. They found Stannis Baratheon standing alone at the edge of the wall, brooding over the field where he had won his battle. <laughs> and the great green forest beyond. He was dressed in the same black breeches, tunic, and boots that a brother of the Night's Watch might wear. Only his cloak set him apart. A heavy, golden cloak, trimmed in black fur and pinned with a brooch in the shape of a flaming heart. I have brought you the bastard of Winterfell, your grace, said Melisandre. I also called out this this quote because I I have here bolded Samus Baratheon standing alone at the edge of the wall, brooding over the field where he had won his <laughs> battle. And I know that a lot of people, even Melisandre... Um, thinks it of how similar stannis and john are in her own chapter and i feel like that comes through in this one line because turns out stannis
0: like john is also very broody and emo it's likely she should be seeing john and she's seeing stannis but this is so like it's so dramatic it's so overtly wonderful and just dramatic it's drama that mm-hmm. he's just like dressed all in finery and his, his cloak too. I mean, this is interesting to go fashion hour on it. It's a heavy golden cloak trimmed in black fur and pinned with a brooch in the shape of a flaming heart. So like he's gone all in on the flaming heart. Obviously we already know that that's, that's his sigil now. Uh, but his cloak is heavy and golden and he's still mm-hmm. making sure people know I am the rightful heir and the rightful king. I am a Baratheon. Uh, I love that. I think it's just. I don't know, I love it, I think it's dramatic, it's so fucking dramatic, it's very vogue. Good for you, Stannis. It is.
3: And I agree with you, Eliana, they are both very broody kind of people. I I (laughs) re-listened to the Davos Fingers episode where we covered this chapter a while ago, and uh, (laughs) we talk about that, how they could have a kind of like a brood-off, right? No, I'm a (laughs) bastard. Oh my god. I was supposed to get my brother's castle! Oh my god. I'm a bastard, you know, (gasps) like... They're just they're there are two peas in a pot on this and uh, you know, is this uh foreshadowing. You're about to see it in the coming conversation.
0: Uh did, have you guys ever heard of the phrase bird lip? What? No. Only my worm dad, lips on Ramsey and chocolate. This is Joffrey. a good one. This is like a dad good one. You're going to like this. Uh, my dad used to tell me when I was a kid and when I was like frowning or pouting or whining or looking like all like, I'm, I'm a middle child bastard or whatever. We I not say like some John. When I was brooding as a child, he would be like, you have bird lip. And I'd go, what do you mean, dad? And he would say, if you keep sticking your lip out that far, a bird's gonna come and poop (laughs) on it. And that's what Stannis has. He has bird lip. Oh, man. (laughs) That's amazing. You're all welcome. It is time I try a new bird lord, Davos. (laughs) that's (laughs) that's, <laughs> that's what, it what it's
3: about
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh.
3: I, I thought you were going to say the bird would come perch
0: yeah on. I thought nope, you were, nope, she was going to say that too that's also what it I thought it was basically like stop making that stupid effing face or a bo- a will poop in your mouth is what he would tell me basically now that I listen to it as an adult I'm like oh okay that was the way he tried to get me to stop throwing a fit or being upset I guess I don't know it's a good one dad it's good amazing one. yes
3: it is a good one
1: So, uh, before we leave this talking about burbs I want to talk about the way the burbs dress here in A Song of Ice and Fire and by that I mean the crows right because I do kind of wonder now you you were talking about the way Stannis is dressed, setting him apart with the cloak. But whose idea was it that Stannis would dress in the same black breeches, tunic, and boots? Because that's actually a very, I think, in my opinion, good political move on his part to try and seem... He's really not great at seeming like a man of the people. But in this moment, he's almost kind
0: of trying. I want to spin it the other way. Why Why did they give him their clothes... <laughs> stannis where are your fucking clothes well but i mean it as in like this is so it's something i want to talk about in a little bit too in a couple other areas but they're giving stannis a lot mm. of amenities and that is what taking these little liberties is kind of what pushes the end of john's dance with dragons story because he keeps taking some of these liberties and he just keeps going and he doesn't stop what he should have stopped politically uh, so I think it's kind of interesting that Stannis is wearing that. Like, where did he get that? Did they just give him a change of clothes? Which I'm not saying don't give the guy a change of clothes. I'm not saying it's a dick move. But if that's like maybe like John commanded it? Maybe? Yeah. Like, that could be bad. That could be problematic it, towards his list of uh, uh, reasons yeah. they kill him.
3: Yeah, and it could be just a sign of things to come of, of how they kind of embrace him and take him in a little bit. Yeah. And- Um, But uh, it's interesting, I didn't read that into it It says the same black breeches, tunic, and boots That a brother of the Night's Watch might wear So I just figured Mm -hmm. they were similar Mm. But if they're giving him clothes, you're right That's a symbol of, you know, they're kind of Embracing him a little bit, which politically they're not supposed to do I do want to go back, Eliana, to something you said Which is a tactic George has already used um, When Cersei Dressed up to meet Ned in the Godswood, and dressed up in the Mm. fashion That he would like to see It's similar here, Stannis is wanting to look Uh, like the people he's trying to because this whole conversation is very different ground than what stannis is used to he's asking somebody else for something and he wants to come to them as a
0: man they would uh relate to
1: yeah yeah and and he tries to do that we'll
0: get there and throughout those conversations i
1: have one more thing
0: no and you're probably right eliana like it probably is the opposite like he's trying to uh mirror it's like andy from the office he's mirroring um I know you haven't seen it Eliana I'm sorry but uh <laughs> but it was just an interesting thought in the other yeah. direction since we no. as this isn't a uh first read this is a reread podcast that Scott gets to celebrate in um that at the very end you know of his story here when he dies since he's dead never coming back Yeah it adds to the list that's all I just am curious if that's it
1: I yeah I think it's interesting and you know the phrase that came to my mind when you were talking about that was, if you give a mouse a cookie...
0: He's gonna ask for you to be the lord of Winterfell? Yeah. Spoilers he- for
1: yeah. No, we don't... That doesn't
0: affect us here. Spoilers <laughs> cannot hurt us on this podcast. Yeah, we can talk about whatever we want. It's our podcast. <laughs> I know. So, as Stannis turns to study John, John is studying Stannis. And John remembers what Donald Loy said about Stannis before.
2: Robert was the true steel. Stannis is pure iron, black and hard and strong, but brittle, the way iron gets, he'll break before he bends.
1: I think we should definitely, I don't know if you guys want to talk about this line or not, it, Um, whatever. Uh, right after this line, though, I think it's so interesting that Donald Noy is very much a shadow that hangs over this entire com- conversation, as we'll see in a bit it's something that connects Stannis and John, but Stannis tells John to rise and he calls John Lord Snow. And then John replies to him, I am no Lord Sire. And that just really reminds me, because we dug into it a few chapters ago, how Donald Noy is very quick to remind people, I'm not a Lord. And so for John to do that, he does it twice in this chapter, shows the huge influence Donald Noy has had on him. And it's, it's interesting that Stannis fails to grasp that
3: uh this whole this whole conversation is a disaster <laughs> it's two people that don't know how to have a polite conversation with each other and we're forced to read through it as it's just halting abrupt and terrible uh, but also that's what makes it so enjoyable and why I wanted to be on this this chapter um I mean th- this this I am no Lord sire that he that, that Chloe so graciously uh should read for us uh, I just wanted to note it because it's it really is. It sets the tone for this whole awkward conversation. It is John putting up a fence and disagreeing with something that was just meant as a compliment. <laughs> you, know, you know, like when when you're talking to somebody who you should be trying to impress or care about their opinion, and you just kind of let things slide in a conversation just to kind of like keep it going easy so that you're not like putting the conversation on the wrong track. John does not know how to do that, or he's purposefully trying to avoid doing that. By saying, like, I'm no lord, right? Yeah. You could have just said, yeah, What? what's next?
0: Yeah, and it does frame, like, the entire end of this chapter. And it frames it at the beginning when he pretty much thinks about all that. But mm-hmm. I think I, I, you could see him, like, very much so resisting this. Like, he knows that he's going to this king and this king is going to offer him something. And he also saw Ned say yes to a king and go mm-hmm. south for him. And do things for him and rule for him in his name. So I wonder if he's hesitant in that especially. Yeah. Um, and also he's just been called an oath breaker and like everything 800 million times because he, you know, broke his oaths ish for Corrin and came back. So since they almost like hanged him as a traitor the other day, you know, if you were there for that with Alistair and Janos, I think he's also a bit touchy about that, but... Also, this conversation that's about to happen still embeds those thoughts in him, and John's like, just when you think you're out of the crypt dreams, Stannis Baratheon pulls you back in, you know?
2: Well, speaking <laughs> of the crypt
0: dreams, I just realized this now
1: during this conversation that we're all having. I don't remember what it was that Skad said that spurred this thought, but there's an irony here now that I think about it. It's not just that John's tutelage from, like, Donald Noy and his humil- humbleness— Right, his own humility coming through and saying, "I am no lord, Siren, as you were saying, Chloe, like seeing Ned's example, the irony is John is no lord; he's a king.
3: Yeah, yeah. And Stannis is I not.
1: Mean, yes and no. Mm-hmm. It's gravy.
3: <laughs> it it is interesting though. I want to give Stannis a little bit of credit. I was put forth last week by. My co-host is some big Stannis defender. I thought like you I were we both legitimately yeah, thought this of him. You. you know, he's I right. <laughs> I like him okay. I see his values and I see his flaws and I relish them both, I suppose. He's a rich character to me. Uh, but uh at least he does value Donald Noy as a man. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He says he would be a worthy leader. He knew him, which uh makes me wonder like why he was sent away from his service or left or whatever to begin with. But Stannis knew him and cared about him. It wasn't just some dude in his service.
0: Yeah, and honestly, like saying like that's too oh, he was a he would have been a great leader. Like that's literally the top compliment you can get from Stannis. Just putting it you know, out there. That's like Stannis saying, I loved that man. Like Kinda. Know. More or less. Hashtag daddy. Oh <laughs> Hashtag I mean, literally, like that's the man that raised
3: Stannis, him. Stannis yeah, Stannis needed one. Yeah. Maester Cresson was one.
0: Donald Noy
1: could have been Maybe something like that for Stannis. Maybe we should do instead an episode on Stannis' daddies. There's oh my gosh. Two. Never mind.
3: <laughs> um, There's something deeper there, I think. You could do an exploratory essay on shitty fathers in Westeros and why that spermed so many multiple Wait, daddies. did you
0: say spermed or spurned?
3: You know, take it how you want.
0: I- oh my god. Guys. <laughs>
1: uh, it's time I try a different bird. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> oh, you and your bird lip, <laughs> bird lip, <laughs> bird lip, bird life. So then, John addresses just head on the rumors about him being a turncloak. And Stannis is like, "I also heard another rumor. You also skin change." And then Stannis smiles. Oh my God! Fascinating,
0: <laughs> beautiful. Yeah,
3: fascinating. I, I uh, again plug in Search of Ice and Fire. Uh, I looked it up. Stannis smiles. Three times, at least, that it's noted by the POVs in these fine books. And two of them, two of three, are in this chapter.
0: Wow. It's interesting. Holy heck. I mean, he's got to smile privately, maybe, sometimes. Sometimes he might have a nice memory of Proudwing and then start crying, but he smiles first, right?
3: I'm sure he does. It's just not noted.
0: So, Stannis asks what's true, what really happened. John tells him the story, and Stannis believes him, because Slant is a fucking dick. He's a dingus and stannis says i knew ned stark as well your father was no friend of mine but only a fool would doubt his honor or his honesty you have his look close i i liked that line that's all yep
3: this this is also this is also stannis again just kind of even though he's trying to butter john up a little bit because he's about to ask him for something Mm. he's still shitty at it (laughs) yeah your father was no friend of mine just just leave it at he was honorable (laughs) and honestly. Yeah. he
1: doesn't know you how tmi f- tmi stannis
3: <laughs> yeah exactly it's he's just really really bad at this
1: that's true i imagine like it's not written in here but in a performance of this scene or something it, there should be just like a lot of awkward pauses and people just sitting and like staring at each other like okay
3: <laughs> absolutely yeah halting halting words and yeah
1: yeah. Stannis credits Jon for holding the wall, and together, they both mourn Donald Noy for, like, a minute. And as as you said earlier, Stannis acknowledges that Noy would have been a better Lord Commander than, like, in the words of Stannis, like, any of these fools who are squabbling over it now.
0: Yeah. Jon points out Cotterpike and Dennis Malister aren't fools, though, same as Athel Yarwick. Uh, and it's true, they aren't. Like, those are serious contenders to deal with coming forward. And Stannis thinks that Jor Mormont trusted too easily. You you could say that again. I (laughs) mean, yeah. (laughs) But that, you know, I mean, that's not necessarily bad. I mean, it is for him. But that's a good, respectable trait in a good old bear. Um, And then this is interesting because we talked about this last week and I didn't remember it. But we learned Mel was responsible for Varamyr going mad. For a hot second. So when uh-huh. we saw the bird in the sky, the eagle, and it was burning, and we mentioned the different kind of ideas, and you had said something about how it could eventually mean Danny, which I like that a lot because it does mean Stannis, it means Melisandra. I totally forgot that it was her burning the yeah. bird. Like so it was Stannis colored, it was red and gold. So good job, Melisandra, good job, me, good job, Eliana. We got there.
1: Th- that Sometimes... bird will never poop in anyone's mouth, but you go. No,
0: ahead. no bird lip. <laughs> so
2: Oh,
3: you know that bird pooped in Varamir's mouth a bunch Ew. of times.
2: Varamir probably Othal ate still it. In there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, so, this
0: means that Mance and his son and Val were all captured.
3: Yeah, I, th- this conversation is just—it's just more of the same, really. I mean, I already talked about you know John saying you know denying being a lord instead of just being like, yeah, all right, what's next he's he's putting up all sorts of just corrective th- this is what this is something stannis would do it's a lie strike it out uh he gets you know credit for finding the dragon glass no no ghost did that uh i know you held the gate no no donald Noy did that and you brought us val and the and the baby no no dalit died and you know it wasn't any trick to bring her you know it was no big deal there was no protection you know he's he is fighting every compliment that Stannis is gr- managing to grind out through his closed mouth, uh, and he's just denying every single one. He's not making this easy mm. on Stannis. He's bad at this, too. He can't... You are, Can you guys take compliments? I'm pretty bad, I'm at, pretty taking bad at taking compliments. I'm pretty
0: bad at taking compliments.
3: can't take a compliment. You,
0: Eliana? Yeah. What? I haven't even heard you <laughs> ever be like that, especially not tonight. Um... I also would argue that he's being <laughs> obstinate because a lot of the things that Stannis is complimenting him for are also, like, kind of oath breaky. Like, he's mm. like, you did really good oh. at this, but also like, huh, John doing that is protecting them, which he's not supposed to do. So he's like, no, I didn't. Stannis, don't fucking say that that loudly. <laughs> yeah. It's not stuff that he's trying to celebrate right now. It's stuff that, like, he almost died two days ago for being an oath-breaker again. Like, he's trying to keep yeah. a low profile right now, and Stannis is asking him to do the complete opposite in this conversation. He's like, no, dude, I'm just going to chill.
3: I also think he's just, he's ill at ease with the whole conversation. I agree with yeah. you. These are things that he doesn't want shouted from the rooftops. But also, like, he's got to be thinking, where is he going yeah. with this? Uh-huh. Like, like, have you ever been in a negotiation and, like, you're kind of feeling each other out because you don't know what's happening, really. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to give you compliments or, like, move the direction a certain way. And you're just trying to hold firm and stay where you are because you're like, I don't want to agree to anything because I don't know what they're trying to set me up for. Like Kat and Rob, when she set him up on the whole forgiveness thing with him <laughs> getting married and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I do not want to get set up by Stannis on agreeing to something here, so I'm just going to stick to the facts. Yeah right? And he doesn't know what's coming. Stannis does a horrible job of, like, painting this conversation in a light of, I'm gonna ask you for something, or I'm gonna ask you for this. All of this bullshit for, like, four pages, it really sets John ill at ease.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's funny you say it that way, too, because it's like, Stannis is about to try to burden him with something huge, like, something yeah. that, like, This is treason for John in his world. Like, uh, this is absolutely like, this is the same thing as Jano Slint thinking he's being promised the wall when he shows up.
1: Yeah. And I guess it's because Stannis maybe thinks that maybe these things are true of John and he's just trying to pin it on him of like, you want these things and trying to find some sort of hole to show that, hey, maybe you would want to be like Lord of Winterfell. Maybe you do want this job offer. John's like, well, while we're here, I guess, can like you allow Val to see Mance and his son, you know, they're like family and stuff. It'd be really nice. And then Stannis is just like, so you're into Val? He's like, I, I hear she's really hot. Do you think she's hot? Oh my god. <laughs> so you agree, you think she's pretty. Um And Stannis delivers this this line. Scad, do you want to perform this line for us?
3: Sure, yeah. Beauty can be treacherous. My brother learned that lesson from Cersei Lannister. She murdered him, do not doubt it. Your father and John Arryn as well. He scowled.
2: That's not fair. Be What's not fair? Be
0: nicer to Cersei. She only murdered Robert.
1: She only succeeded in one of these. Well, she yeah. didn't try, but she didn't try, like. <laughs> She, wa- she actually didn't want Ned to die because she was yeah. not a complete fool. So that's what I'm saying.
0: Be nicer. That's not fair. <laughs> she tried to save Ned's life briefly. And you know what? Robert wasn't the best king. So, I mean, I'm not saying Joffrey's better, obviously. I'm just saying that, you know, at least we got rid of one. Yeah,
3: I didn't realize I was joining the girls gone Cersei
2: podcast <laughs> tonight. Holy I'm a shit! a a apologist defense we are just, we are just,
1: we are we like Stannis. We are just and we are fair. Credit where credit is due. Yeah, if so you a lie, want credit murdering someone, I will let you have it. But yeah, that was Littlefinger. I mean, there are a lot of things that Cersei has done that are bad. And oh yeah, let's talk about those. Well, not today, but <laughs> there's tons of those. I'm just like, I think it's really cool, though, that everyone thinks Cersei's super competent and killed Ned and Jon Arryn.
0: It's very funny. (sighs) I I love that. From the outside, she looks like a mastermind, but then, like, you get in her head and you're like, oh my god, no. Uh, It's like, scree.
3: (laughs) I mean, she didn't pull the trigger, but she set all of it in motion. Not all of it. A lot of it in motion, particularly with Ned, right?
0: Yeah, but so did he set it in motion when he was like... I'm giving you a night to run because I'm totally trusting you. Oh, sure. But she at least told Joffrey, like, no, no, we shouldn't do that now. And Tywin's like, he's only supposed to do this. I can't believe that happened. That was the worst. I should have been here to stop him, but I was busy fighting his wars.
3: Um, Yeah. But if I give my child a hammer...
0: Right, like, no, it is totally your fault. I sure. know
3: my walls are getting broken. Well... You know, like, he's, or I'm gonna have one less child in the morning or something. Yeah, but like, to be fair, you up. also
0: didn't fuck your brother to give birth to this child. fact, <laughs> like, you know And, like, see it as a narcissistic extension of yourself, your whole entire life, and your power. Anyways. <laughs> uh, coming
1: back, though, to the quote, uh, I think there's an interesting irony here in what stannis says regarding beauty and it's kind of the subtext in the chapter because right from the beginning one of the first things that john says when he sees melisandre is that she's beautiful and it's one of the first things that most povs actually notice about her so maybe stannis should be taking his own advice here on beauty being treacherous especially because as you were talking about at the beginning of this episode like they share a bed
3: absolutely he can't see himself clearly which I think is something you said earlier, Did
1: right? Did I? I think you said that. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I don't know, Stannis. I think it was
3: pre-stream, but you were talking about how you wish he could see himself honestly.
0: Yeah. It was earlier you said this before oh. we recorded. Yeah. No, but it's, cool. it's true, though, because like, he, he just believes, like, I'm this great destiny king. Melisandra, aren't I? I'm still the destiny king, yeah. right? Let's have sex. Make a shadow baby now. Come on. Sleep with me yeah. now.
3: Make me feel better. I feel insecure. Yeah.
0: Of oh, course, Stannis. God, he's such a middle child. I, an only child, don't understand it. <laughs> um, I also, I also an only child
1: though. Somehow, do understand the insecurity. Do you?
3: I'm a middle child, also.
0: Oh. But I, don't,
3: I don't feel like I have it. No. Mm, fascinating. I, I have, I have some imposter syndrome sometimes, but I don't feel like I lack for confidence. Yeah. Being a middle child. To be
0: fair, I mean, and I've seen you perform on a stage before, so I can like I can corroborate that story that no, you, you don't have any like shame. You're pretty charismatic <laughs> and happy. You know? Scott is incredibly charismatic, oh everyone. My God, no. You guys, we're gonna put so many links with this episode, I can't wait. Uh so John explains that the Wildlings do have honor Stannis, just not Rattleshirt, of course, which that's obviously a nod for the future that we should pay attention to, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, But Stannis proceeds to talk about Ned once more.
3: Stannis gave a curt nod. Your father was a man of honor. He was no friend to me, but I saw his worth. Your brother was a rebel and a traitor who meant to steal half my kingdom. But no man can question his courage.
0: What of you? Does he want me to say I love him? Jan's voice was stiff, and formal as he said, I am a man of the Night's Watch.
3: Words. Words of wind. Why do you think I abandoned Dragonstone and sailed to the wall, Lord Snow? I
2: am no lord, sire. You came because we sent for you, I hope, though I could not say why you took so long about it. Surprisingly,
3: Stannis smiled at that. You're bold enough to be a Stark. Yes, I should have come sooner. If not from my hand, I might not have come at all. Lord Seawith is a man of humble birth, but he reminded me of my duty, when all I could think of was my rights. I had the cart before the horse, Davos said. I was trying to win the throne to save the kingdom when I should have been trying to save the kingdom to win the throne. Stannis pointed north. There is where I'll find the foe that I was born to fight.
2: Really? You think?
1: Stanny? You have to look inside yourself, Stannis. The foe you were born to fight was inside of you all along.
0: Reflection from Mulan Plays.
3: (laughs) The friends we made along the way didn't exist. Oh
0: no! That's a classic quote right there, right? The card yes. before the horse line is very defining for Stannis's arc and his journey and I definitely think we'll hear something similar, I'm sure, with another uh hero in the story that has fire available.
3: <laughs> Good call for sure. Yeah, it, that 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 cardinal the horse thing is that's why people like Stannis, I think. Mm-hmm. It's 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 the whole pragmatic approach to oh yeah that's right this is what I should do I will go do it but you know the whole part about the foe that I was born to fight also you know were you were you born amidst smoke and salt were you are you Azor Ahai? is that blade you're carrying hot like he's totally skipping the parts that don't fit about his story uh that that makes this whole thing too convenient so you know, both why you love him and why you hate him in the same paragraph here, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's this is just top of mind for me because I'm reading and almost done, I guess, with this because that comic is almost done, The Wicked and the Divine. And Chloe, I think you would actually really like this comic book series. And it addresses that, this whole thing of people wanting to believe that they themselves were destined for greatness and fit into these legends.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing, right? Like destiny, he believes that his destiny is something big. And I do think some of the recent revelations we've been having, I mean, prophecy is obviously George is trying to show us that prophecy is not good. It uh eats at you, right? It
1: totally it does. It's, it's easy to feel like you know, to feel like you know that you have a purpose, that someone has given it to you, as opposed to... Uh, I mean, as I, I, I was joking earlier, that, but kind of not joking, that the foe that Stannis has defined is inside himself, but growing up is about learning that someone's not always going to just give you that purpose. You have to make it, you have to define your own life, and figure it out for yourself, and that's scary. It's
0: just like, look at Quentin, you know, it's the same kind of idea mm. that... You know he gets this journey, this adventure, and he tells himself it's going to be a big adventure, and I'm the chosen one. I'm I'm the one that should marry Daenerys, and then it turns out no, it's it's not. You were never the chosen one, Quentin. Like you, you burnt out.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a yeah. great parallel.
0: It
3: is, and I'm I'm reminded in both cases of the Truman Show.
2: Hmm.
3: You guys seen the Truman I have, Show? Not for a Mo- while. Most people are most people are totally willing to be the center of a universe if they're told they are yeah and this guy truman uh you know he lives in this world for his whole life as the center of this universe and doesn't realize that he's the center of this universe that everyone is acting around him to his benefit and you know to make him the center and what he chooses to do when he finds out he isn't is very telling what will stannis choose to do if and when he finds out that he isn't who he thinks he is what did quentin do when he found out he wasn't who he thought he was supposed to be Hmm. right these things they say a lot about your character
0: uh and speaking of the hero's journey you know the hero basically you have the whole entire arc you meet your hero you get their motive their why song right you get their why song this is their i want um and then your hero goes through a transformation Right, uh, Your hero has to go through a transformation. For characters like Sansa, we know that she's going to go through the political transformation where she suddenly gets a little smarter and figures some stuff out. Arya's going through a transformation. We see this with all the kids, the Stark kids that have that Jedi moment. But for Stannis, he's already really had that transformation. Right. He started off as a guy that suffered and he built this navy that his brother didn't give a fuck about. And, you know, blah, blah, blah And he didn't care about me. He gave me Dragonstone. But his transformation came when Melisandre arrived and said, You are Azora High. This is about you. This is your destiny. So characters like Stannis, it's like he has to have that tragic downfall because that transformation's already occurred. He's not going to change and get a new transformation. He's not going to get something newer than Azora High. He's going to get whatever his ending is yeah
3: right but how he chooses to take that ending is the important part.
0: yes yeah, so when all is lost what does he do he burns it down
3: and same thing with danny too right and so excited to see that happen on the page he wants to believe this this important role that's been thrust upon him by by melisander and and he's willing to take it hook line and sinker but he and uh, t- to a greater degree maybe even mel ignore the stuff that doesn't fit and it's it's really bothersome uh to to rereaders like us it's very bothersome it's right there on the page you said the line yourself mel he doesn't fit this part like why are you ignoring that mel who believes it so firmly why are you ignoring that stannis you're swallowing this lie when it's right in front of you and
0: he knows Birx. too like about the sword he even says like i don't feel heat yeah. yeah and he just wants to be special uh but I, I think that like the Nisa Nisa part is obviously very much so left out. Like he considers it with Edric and he's obviously that gets chosen for him one way or the other and he decides to in the end, like, fine, we'll do a different route, we'll do it the good way, we'll go north, we'll help people. But I think that he's probably also going to recognize that he's been ignoring it eventually. I think like he's going to say that this must be the part that we're missing, and I think it has a lot to do with we're reading his dark materials right now and there's a big kind of sacrificey moment and I won't spoil it, but uh everything clicks for this character and he's like, this is what I've been missing, everything else has failed me, I have to do this thing, like, ah, it's so obvious, it's right here, it like came just at the right time and he, he, it's almost like this weird bloodlust craziness that they choose this sacrifice and I think... That's why Stannis is the one that does eventually have to probably burn Shireen, right? I mean, that's the big question mark. What if? And a lot of people argue that they think it'll be Melisandre doing it against his will. But I don't think so. Melisandre's already provided him the tools she needs for him to accept his destiny. And Davos kind of tends to think Stannis is a puppet under Melisandre. But we know that he's not. This is who Stannis is. He's telling us who he is through his choices. Melisandre has simply handed him a match to light the bomb. Uh, and people think Danny's advisors are why she's going to go darker. But I don't really agree with that. Like, yeah, they can hand her matches all day long, but that proto Danny towing that line of push comes to shove, I will make my destiny come true is what it's all about. You get that line in Davos 5 uh, in A Storm of Swords. She talks of prophecies. A hero reborn in the sea. Living dragons hatched from dead stone. She speaks of signs and swears they point to me. I never asked for this, no more than I asked to be king. Yet dare I disregard her? He ground his teeth. We do not choose our destinies. Yet we must, we must do our duty. No, great or small, we must do our duty. Stannis really believes he's the hero. Like, this is his last hope to cling on to. He spent his whole life just being the the younger brother getting scraps is how he felt. And he felt like this was his truer calling and he's talking himself into things and justifying the means telling himself he's just, even though he knows he has to do a terrible thing, uh, but someone had to do it. And I think that's going to play out the same way in the end of his arc. I I think that a
1: lot of these are really astute and something that stands out to me, especially, you know, within the, context of the conversation we're having right now about I think it can be summed up as kind of like the stories we tell ourselves because Stannis what stood out to me is you said we do not choose our destinies in that quote and I think that a lot of A Song of Ice and Fire and they kind of tried to get at it at the end of the show and I I don't know if it necessarily landed but it's like we talked about this in our like show recap episodes this past spring but there is that tension right of the choosing has always been hard in John's story. Like, choice is so important within John's story. And that idea of we do not choose our destinies, the, the fact of the matter is, you can, right? You can choose to not be in this story status. You can choose to not have to do all of these things and keep going further. They they tried to set it up, I think, a little with Daenerys, saying that, you know, people don't get to choose what world they live in and and we were talking about it with brand withholding information so that people would have the ability to make the choices for themselves even if he might know which way it goes but quentin you know you you brought it back to quentin earlier quentin thinks he doesn't have a choice that he must do this thing to please his father because otherwise why did he go all this fucking way why did all of his friends die he has no choice but to see it through to the end and,
0: that's, uh, the spurn suitor. He says, uh, they are men. They want gold, glory, power. That's all I'm trusting in. That and my own destiny. I'm a prince of Dorne. The blood of dragons is in my veins. And he says in the dragon tamer, he says, this is my duty. This is my destiny when he says, not all risks lead to ruin. And, uh, the, the, the mentions we do get of destinies, I mean, it all kind of revolves around that prophecy. The Targaryens thought themselves gods, right? Mm. And how many of them died because of the prophecy that was passed down to say that Azor Ahai would come from Aerys and Rayella's line? You know, like how many of them from that or that they would come from a line? How many of them have died from just playing with that? Uh, It's very apparent that it's a bad move to follow this prophecy and destiny thing. And Jon is the exact culmination of this so Uh we see that in him against stannis against danny john is sitting here saying nope that wasn't a special thing i did i'm not special stannis Uh and stannis saying well i'm special so that's special and uh john turning down and rejecting his targaryen heritage maybe someday and rejecting his claim if he has a claim to the throne as it seems he does uh rejecting those things that's him not making a destiny you know he's yeah it's it's that whole like power thing of you know people who say they're the king are not the king Mm -hmm. and i know we've tied that in with reluctant leaders not being great we've talked a lot about that on this podcast and how that's not a thing but it is also that like the people are better rulers as far as sound of mind when it's that way and john is that person
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's really meaningful then that we get so much of this juxtaposition between Stannis and John. And it's so interesting that so many characters think they're very similar. But that's why, you know, we've talked about it before, all of these choices, these tests that John has put forth, these temptations. And that's because in each one of those, we get to see John choose his path. And I, I... in the end it seems like as you said he chooses to reject the targaryen heritage he chooses to pull himself out of the story he's like everyone's trying to pull him in one direction trying to force him into like this idea of leadership and kingship et cetera. and he just keeps trying to be like i don't know i don't really want this and mm-hmm. his his story is him trying to choose to get out of it
2: mm-hmm.
3: even when he does want it he doesn't take it um, we're about to see in the next chapter that we're not covering here tonight That even though he admits uh, that he wants very badly to have Winterfell, uh, he gets a sign, and signs are an interesting thing you could go into for a long time to talk about, but he gets a sign that he thinks is telling him, no, this isn't for you. Take yourself yourself away from this. You're trying to be put down into this story uh, in something that Stannis wants you to do. That's not where you are. That's not where your commitments are. It's not what's important to you. And yeah, he very much is, like you said, um the agent of choice, the agent of choice that, that George uses, I think, to show that you can control a little bit at least of your own story. You get those moments to choose. And yeah, we, we talked a little bit about pre-stream about Daenerys and and I also say Stannis too, they will have moments to choose things, and what will they do? And will, you know, will it go exactly how the show goes or, you know, what? But um I think it would be very interesting if Stannis saw the writing on the wall, saw that he was not who he's been pretending to be and made a different choice. And would that uh would that go against or or, or I guess um be a foil to Danny who will make a different choice. Um there's so there's so many ways this thing could could go. Um I've I've wondered before if maybe Silise will actually be the one to bring Shireen to the fires. Um after Stannis has said no, uh you get almost nothing with Salis and Shireen and their relationship, and how not close they are. Um, But in the end, you get choices. And what you do with those choices, that's what matters. Stannis, we've seen, makes awful choices when Davos isn't on his shoulder telling him what to do. And he's probably going to do it again. I hope he doesn't. Well,
0: unfortunately, Davos is a a little distant right now, because he's busy trying to get to Skagos. And uh, so he might not be there is what I'm thinking. Because we've talked a lot about that moral angel and devil on the shoulder. And if the angel's not there, the devil gets to play. And I do think that uh, it will be the last choice. It will be the last resort. You know, obviously it'll be, if it happens, it will have to be last resort. It has to be like, this is this is Stannis' no chance and no choice, if we want to put it that way. And that's wild to think about because what he does at a no chance, no choice is a lot different than the character, like Brienne's no chance and no choice.
3: Yeah, uh, what what you're saying, no chance and no choice, Brienne, because of the nature of her character. The no choice part of it was, yeah, I have to go do this. I have to. The no chance, but it's the but he's going to make the opposite choice. He's going to make the weak choice, the choice to kill a child, right? Um, or at least that's what everyone thinks, right? Um, so
0: choice, man. Yeah,
1: believing in a destiny narrows your choices.
0: Yeah, 50-50s you. It's like you're playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and now you, like, have no lifelines left.
2: Yeah.
3: And I think that's one of the arrows that John has in his quiver. He was never told this stuff growing up. Danny believed from a very young age that she was special. Stannis, too, to some degree, from a very young age, wanted to believe he was special and believed he should be. And believing those things, man, it's... it's it's dangerous Uh, Chris Rock in the Kevin Smith movie Dogma says man beliefs are scary an idea is is much better and that's loosely quoted but um, beliefs are tough hard to change beliefs Um,
0: And that's the thing is John to quote Harry Potter Harry Potter you know says when he finds out about magic he's like but I'm just Harry John was just John he wasn't Aegon Targaryen or Aemon Targaryen or whatever the fuck you think his name is he was just Jon Snow growing up. Good pull. Yeah. Yeah, good pull. You're a Zora high,
1: John. Right, he what? wasn't told all that crap.
0: <laughs> right. No.
3: He, ha- he has that going on. You're a for wizard,
0: Jon. You're going to take the fucking wolf and you're going to like it. Oh my god. Okay, you guys. Stannis and Jon have this huge filler recap, big conversation. So we're going to speed through it because Stannis is like, You saved Lord Mormont from zombies. And then he's like, You should help me, too. And Jon is like, I am pledged to the watch. So Stannis becomes completely less flirty, is the term Eliana wants me to use. (laughs) And he tells him that he needs more than a sword from him, which I think that's more flirty, personally, but that might just be me. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I
1: I think it's both, you know. He's trying not to show his heart, but here it is. Take it, John. Stannis, though, says that he needs the north. You're gonna do this quote. I'm gonna make you do this quote. This is who I am. I direct this now. (laughs)
3: Your brother was the rightful lord of Winterfell If he had stayed home and done his duty Instead of crowning himself and riding off to conquer the Riverlands He might be alive today Be that as it may You're not Rob No more than I am Rob The
0: harsh words had blown away whatever sympathy John might have had for Stannis I loved my brother, he said
3: Stannis, he just He can't help himself right? Right? He's got to just throw the insults in <laughs> to this. To he's he's like down on one knee with a ring and being like, "You've got webbed feet, <laughs> but will you marry me?"
1: He just keeps necking John, thinking it's gonna work, and he does. He doubles down on it later on. It's very interesting.
0: Like not everyone hates yeah. their brother, Stannis. Not everyone has this complex. I mean, yeah, John has a complex, but not like this. Like his relationship was somewhat healthy with his family-ish, like his brother at least, before his brother left. I mean, obviously when they were kids, there were things that happened, but for the most part, he didn't have that kind of problem. He just, things were how they were. I don't know. He didn't, he also wasn't like, I get to be king next. He knew he couldn't be king, ever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. (sighs) Stannis, stop. (laughs) It's really rude. Yeah. Far too familiar.
3: Yeah, and I don't know whether he's doing it, like, there are people out there, like, I don't know, is it is it gaslighting? Is that the term? Uh, where you like, he's like purposely like putting down the family and stuff to like make him feel worse about mm-hmm. himself, so he can build him up later in a in a you know a not so genuine yeah. way. Maybe it's that. I tend to think it's just Stannis being shitty. Yeah. At this, but I think
1: Stannis is projecting because all of this yes. is how he feels about his mm. own family. He's he's projecting the insecurities that he yes. had. Of like, I'm the rightful lord of X thing. He's like, I was the rightful lord of Storm's End, but I got Dragonstone, which he thought was an insult. But turns out, as George has said in the so speak Martin, not necessarily. Robert just didn't really think about that. But he meant to honor. Robert meant to honor Stannis by giving him Dragonstone. And, you know, and Stannis does that here, being like, you are not Rob no more than I am Robert. And they have similar names and it's... Rob Stark is a little bit named after Robert, but they clash as older brothers so much in that Stannis is going to be like, Yeah, I also love my older brother, but he loved his older brother in a way that he longed for his older brother to notice him, right? And to love him back. Whereas for John and all the other siblings, they all love Rob because Rob did love them back. Rob is who they wanted to be in a different way because they, he, he was the perfect older brother.
3: Yeah, very different relationships. You're right, and very different people. And Stannis is not differentiating them.
1: He can't con- he can't conceive of it. He like had such a broken family. Yeah. He can't conceive of this idea of like, oh, what if like families could get along? What? Yeah. And he grew up in King's Landing where everyone's like shitty.
3: And again, it's like this. So put John. Does John has no idea where he's going? <laughs> yeah. With yeah. This. Still. He's like, okay, I love my brother. What? Do you want <laughs> yeah. from me? i What is? What is this? He has no idea. Still, we're like four pages into this conversation. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, George created Sansa as the black sheep of the family to add a little tension. Now, John obviously already had his own tension by being the bastard, uh, and that goes directly through Catelyn. But Rob and Theon and him always bullshitted around, and Bran loved him, and Rob loved him. I mean, Theon didn't really love anyone; he just wanted to be them. Uh, but he loved it, Rob. He loved Rob. Yeah, that's that's it. That was his love. He loved all of them deep down, but he hated himself for loving them. There's where I was mm-hmm. going. Yeah, uh, but John did love them. I mean, Arya. John had great relations with his siblings. So to this, this is just foreign to him. He's like, I don't know what you're trying to tell me. Like, no, Rob never made me command his armies, and then never gave me the gift I actually wanted. I never expected gifts. I never had any armies. Like, it's a different yeah. experience.
3: He had. He had proud verb, that's
1: it. <laughs> Uh but at least he didn't have. Never mind. No, at, least yeah. at least he didn't have birdlip, but what else? <laughs> <laughs> He did, though. Anyway, so now John is like, I don't know what's. What He's like sadish. Out. Yeah, John's like sad and confused, and Candace is like, I think there's some.
3: The notes say soft. Were you going no, for no, like some... the counter to erect? No, something.
1: <laughs> 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 Maybe I actually actually might have been, because
3: because he was teasing and the teasing was failing. I don't. John on. is now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that actually is where I was going.
3: <laughs> we wrecked your flow with. <laughs> yeah, our, with we our we our actually comments.
1: talked about real serious things. Anyways, fuck that, fuck that line. Anyway, so when John's <laughs> like, "Yeah, I love my brother," Stan's is like, "Sure, Jan, John," <laughs> and talks about how I'm the one true king oh. now. I am king. <laughs> And all these other schmucks, they have their civil wars, whatever, but you know what I need? I need a Lord of Winterfell. And then he winks several times over at Jon. Not literally, and Jon's like, um, there is, there's no Winterfell anymore, what? What?" Oh my god.
0: (laughs) So Jon comes out finally and is like,
2: I'm a Snow, not a stoke.
0: And Stannis is like, I can do something about that, bro. Like, I got you.
3: (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. John has been presented with, uh, you know, the keymaster to the gate of Winterfell, and he uh, he keeps putting up. It, it's it's more you you've been given what you want. No, let me come up with every bullshit reason I can think of why I can't accept this thing I want so bad that would change my life so much, and yet also make me a, another oathbreaker and all these uh-huh. things. He comes up with all these reasons he can't. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. and like. Uh, why, he's like, it's like a dog chasing his tail, right? What do you do when you get it then, too? Like, he's like, well, and yeah. that's where the wheels turn. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that happens to a lot of people, though, you know? They're like, oh, I wanted this, I didn't... And it happens like, uh, I think a little bit in A Song of Ice and Fire, maybe. Does it? Does it not? This mm-hmm. idea of, um, yeah, I wanted this,
0: but not like this. Well... I mean, you got Ariane on her knees crying yeah. that it was never supposed to be like this. There's your yeah. crowning.
3: Not like this. Not
2: like this. Yeah.
0: Well, and then you have maybe someday her becoming queen and what might happen. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, it's interesting, especially because then, like he, like I said, the wheels start turning and Lord Snow starts to sound different in his head. And Melisandre tries to tell John, well, your vows are invalid because your faith sucks and uh, is wrong. So that's, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's like, those were real vows. You said them in front of a heart tree. And like, that's not a real faith. And I'm just like, this is a weird tactic. Turns out Melisandre's also? I don't know. It's a a strange tactic. And she's like, yeah. Are they going to have a threesome? Maybe. And she's like, you know, all you have to do is (laughs) talk about how your faith is bullshit and mine is real. And then you can just go burn. Burn everything from this thing that you actually do really believe, but it's bullshit god read the room alessandra yeah
3: in my experience your religion is garbage is not a great conversation no. starter um and and you know spoilers again this turns out to be like this religion thing which i never really thought of john as hugely religious which is interesting but it turns out to be kind of the reason he won't accept this offer right
0: yeah it's forsaking everything he knows
3: yeah, yeah
1: and i mean his faith is his connection to his family to the north. Yeah. I get that. And of course, to Ghost. I mean, it would still be there regardless, but.
0: When John had been very young, too young to understand what it meant to be a bastard, he used to dream that one day Winterfell might be his. Later, when he was older, he had been ashamed of those dreams. Winterfell would go to Rob and then his sons, or to Bran or Rickon, should Rob die childless. And after them came Sansa and Arya. Even to dream otherwise seemed disloyal, as if he were betraying them in his heart, wishing for their deaths.
2: "'I never wanted this,'
0: he thought as he stood before the blue-eyed king and the red woman.
2: "'I loved Rob, loved all of them. I never wanted any harm to come to any of them. But it did, and now there's only me.'"
0: All he had to do was say the word, and he would be John Stark, and never more a snow. All he had to do was pledge this king, his fealty, and Winterfell was his. All he had to do was forswear his vows again, and this time it would not be a ruse to claim his father's castle. He must turn against his father's gods.
3: His father's gods,
2: mm. Dad.
3: It's it's really it's really about betraying his dad, right? Yeah, which is something I
2: think you just said before, Eliana.
0: Yeah, there's this line in A Dance with Dragons in John eight. His
2: father would never have approved. I am the sword that guards the realm of men. John reminded himself, and in the end, that must be worth more than one man's honor.
0: Mm. I feel like that's going to come back. You okay there, Scad? You good? Are you crying? I just
3: love that you. Oh. Like, they can't see the notes, but I love that you do that. You didn't even have it noted that those were words, and you just
0: switched so seamlessly. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you. I have a real Thank talent. you. I've. Uh, yeah, hire me for the animated series, I guess, in 2030 when they remake it <laughs> on a good budget. Oh, jeez. And I've kind of been, like, hinting at this line, especially with the endgame of Thrones, you know, that <laughs> oh. happened there. You like that? Yeah, endgame yeah. of Thrones, uh, just the bold outlined ideas since we won't go into details. But I feel like this is what's really projecting John through this story and in a Storm of Swords, especially with all the egret guilt we've talked about and how we think that may come back in the future. Uh just that I am the sword that guards the realm of men. And in the end, that must be worth more than one man's honor. Uh, it's what Ned did himself. So, of course, like this is going to be his dedication to Ned that he could never do that to Ned, even though he doesn't uh-huh. know what Ned sacrificed. But Ned did this sacrifice. He took all of his honor and he just threw it out a window to protect John. And somehow he had to deal with like the ramifications of supporting the party that would kill John and deal with all that shit. And John has no idea how far Ned's honor really went. He doesn't know. Um, I think someday he'll know and someday he will understand. He'll probably be angry and hurt at first, but eventually he'll understand and get that depth of that kind of thing. And it will probably comfort him in his time of need because I think he's going to have to trade, you know, his honor, his name, you know, the stain on his name for that.
2: Mm hmm.
3: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. The, you know, this must be worth more than one man's honor. This uh, being the sword that guards the realms of men, because that's really what the subtext of this whole chapter is about. Stannis is asking these things. Yes, he wants support for his run at the kingship and whatever, but really, he's talking about the enemy he needs to fight. And John needs to remember that too in the choices that he's making. This is all. This is none of none of this is about what I want or Winterfell or any of that this is about that enemy that's out there and it should be the backdrop to this whole chapter but as George has done for this entire series, you forget about it. You get into, you get swept up in the politics and the personal stuff about inheriting the castle and being a bastard and how I feel about my family. You get sucked into all those things and it's like, remember the backdrop of this whole conversation is the enemy out there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but... John's kind of trying to be like I don't know this doesn't have to be the way that it happens. Me there he's like there must be a way for me to stand against this enemy without having to forswear those
0: vows I guess.
3: Absolutely. Cuz this
0: is very much built up as that like now it's like at the point where it's like so John, I would love to defeat this enemy for you since no other kings, if you remember came Calling, and you're very brave, and you, you know, your brother kind of sucked in my opinion, but your dad was honorable enough, and you're a brave bastard, so what say you, like, will you give me a back rub so I can give you a back rub? That's what he said, right?
3: That's what he's saying, but with the context of back rubs kill yeah, others. That's
0: exactly it. So but that's like straight <gasps> right? up he is. He's like, okay, I would love to help you, so now you should help me so I can help you. And that's like that's not how the Night's Watch works. That's true. No. And that's the problem, because he's coming to this place and he's not respecting the rules. And yeah. he thinks it's his place, technically, because he's the king, but the king doesn't rule over the night's watch. That's the thing. Like the king doesn't give a shit anymore about the night's watch, probably because they don't get to rule the night's watch, obviously. Of if 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 it was corrupt and the king was in charge of the Night's Watch, then yeah, uh that would probably be a different story, but it's a separate realm. I mean, right there, they're like in this grey area, right? It's not the good place, it's not the bad place, it's the neutral place.
1: Yeah. A medium place.
0: Yeah, with Mindy Saint Clair. <laughs> medium place.
1: Uh and Yeah, as you said, Stannis doesn't it's it's not his place and he's just at every point in time kind of disrespecting He's kind of disrespecting Jon's vows, in doing so. Like that's kind of rude. This was a big deal. Everyone was like, "Jon, are you sure you want to make this choice?" And he's like, "I I want to do this. I want to pledge to the Night's Watch." And it's cost him so much, and for Stannis to be like, eh, "Didn't mean anything." It's pretty fucking rude. A lot of people died for it. I also want to point out something really dumb. Jon being like, if he took, you know, if he took Winterfell. Which would be his father's castle, and this time it would not be a Ruse. Just like, it, this time it would not be a Ruse Bolton nope. taking the uh-huh. castle. <laughs> You're fired.
2: <laughs> I, had Out. Out it, I had to do it at least. I had to no.
1: do it. Sorry. Yeah, in the next quote, Stannis tries to fucking nag Jon Snow into agreeing. Like, this time he really goes in on it.
3: It may be that I am mistaken in you, Jon Snow. You both know the things that are said of bastards. You may lack your father's honor or your brother's skill in arms, but you are the weapon the Lord has given me.
1: This is a very bold move on Sanis's part, I guess, for his conversation tactics. And John's just like, surprised Pikachu meme, but okay. And then Sanis tries another tactic where he's like, all right, so we, we've got to reform because the wildlings are coming back to so We need to all hold the wall. And I think it's interesting that... Stannis is doing this, we've seen this actually in a couple of other characters a few times, where they try different tactics, usually in threes, because like literature, right, to convince other characters to do what they want. We see Arianne do it to all the people who visit her in the tower, and Sansa also, when each of them are imprisoned as they try to get information or get freedom. But here are the three things that Stannis is using to try to get John to like accept Winterfell, which is one, he's like, I'll remove the taint of bastardy, too. We're gonna... Preserve your honor, I guess. And then finally he's like, we're protecting the realm.
3: It's true. He, uh, his delivery's bad. His It's bad. He puts them in a bad order. He prioritizes the wrong true. things. But, but in, in the end, again, I kind of brought this up maybe too early before, but like the message is correct. The others are coming. I know you took a vow. I know you took an oath. I know she's telling you to burn your <laughs> werewood, I'm sorry. That sucks. But guess what? The only thing that matters, and you believe this, I think, the only thing that matters is out there. Everything we have to do should be around that idea. I know we're giving up a lot of stuff here, but this is the problem we need to solve. Right? And his delivery sucks.
0: <sighs> yeah. Well, and now that I think about it, the show also kinda did this thing with Danny in the past season where it's like she decided to go north and fight first as long as John came with her to give you some context, Gad. Yeah, and that's something that's interesting because that's kinda what Stannis is saying he's doing, but at the same time he's like, But I want earlier like promise that you're gonna fight with me. Like, he's like, yeah, I'll help you, but, and that's fine, I'm signing on, but ye- I need a lord, and I need to know that you're going to fight with me afterwards. And he's trying to make him, like, promise now. And it's almost like John's already had those, like, moments he could go back on his vow, like, with Corin and the Wildlings, and he ends up breaking at the very last second. And it makes me wonder if he's thinking about, like, how he would break this for a second, you know? Like, oh, I could do this and then break at the last second and, you know, like, break my promise to him. But I don't know. There's also mm. something in this, in, almost a dig at like maybe at him being bedridden and dying before Stannis arrived, or like his fighting and how the Watch's force is so depleted because he says that he doesn't have his brother's skill in arms. And I'm like, how do you know that, Stannis? I mean, I'm not saying he does quite yet, but he's gotten a lot better. And also, how does how does he know that?
1: Rob Rob Stark's campaign was pretty legendary. Yeah. So I guess that's why, I mean, everyone's like, damn, 16-year-old boy standing up against and defeating Tywin. Right. Good job, kid.
3: Yeah, he's just assuming. While it, whereas we know that, uh, I can't remember which way it goes now, but there's a quote in there somewhere where where John says that he was either the better sword or the better lance. I don't remember which. I think he was yeah. the better sword. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a dig, I think. and Negging. And yeah. Yeah. It- but but all but also, yeah, the, the, you know, Rob is kind of legendary
0: right, right. at this point. It's just an interesting tactic because it's like you do know that John just fought this battle and you see how weary the forces are from it, so it's like, okay.
3: Yeah.
1: Um speaking of Rob, I just want to remind people another of Scad's many accolades. Scad also won one year at Ice and Fire Con. <laughs>
3: oh god
1: (laughs) he won the fan fiction contest in which he people drew names right out out of a hat and they had to write a fanfic i guess putting these two characters together and scad scad tell us about tell us about what you wrote tell us the name first of all well
3: first of all i i didn't i didn't write it um i performed it if you will uh my maybe favorite person in the fandom uh is anne (laughs) uh anne sweet who introduced us yes and uh she and i were were partnering in in this fan fiction contest, and uh we drew Jamie and Rob, and we together although i i think she did more of the writing uh wrote the story of the whispering wood amazing deliver Entendre, wherever you feel like in that title and uh it was fun it was fun i I can't believe you brought it up here. <laughs> this but is where it made sense, right? and <laughs> Sweet, if you can find her on YouTube. Hey, Anne. Uh, she she did get most of that on film, I think, in one of her little travelogue things that she does on her YouTube Yeah, it's uh, Sweet YFT. Thank you, yes. I'm awful at promotion.
0: Stannis continues talking about letting the wildlings through and his plans to possibly resettle the gift, and- John says, my dad had the same idea too but not with wildlings mostly because my dad didn't know any wildlings, so, you know this sounds fine
3: yeah I I mean, again it's like, he's asking for a lot, giving land away letting wildlings through it's, but the stakes the stakes are the others, right? and that's what matters (sighs) Just harp on it again because Stannis. Those people that love Stannis, this is what they point to, right? He is all in on these stakes.
0: Yeah, but he also needs to qu- stop with the technicalities right now, obviously, because John still hasn't said yes. So, <laughs> like John already has, and also <laughs> the
3: assumptive clothes. Yeah, that. and
0: also it's like John doesn't have the authority, and you saying that you're giving him the authority is the same thing as Giano Slant coming there acting like he's gonna have authority for Tywin. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just like, why are you assuming you have that authority? Again, Stannis, it's not stay in your lane. And he does, the next thing he does is, again, giving away another thing that he doesn't have the right to give away, mm-hmm. like how he goes in with, if totally. you call in the next 48 hours, I'm gonna add a hot wildling princess to your lordship. Shamwell <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> Uh my favorite of those are when they just give you more of the same thing <laughs> you're ordering. <laughs> it's sixty two steak knives <laughs> I was fine with eight.
1: Well yeah, what are you gonna do with all those? But yeah, John's like, Laval, you can't just give away wild like women.
3: That's
2: not how it
1: works. He's like no. they don't they don't believe in that.
3: No. No, I mean, you know, he's clearly out of his depth culturally on this. But he, uh, but he has the right idea. I mean um, you know, like trying to earn their loyalty. It's just you can't do that with them. It's not doesn't work the way the rest of the world you know works. But it's a symbol, and I I think it would work to some degree. John does the same fucking thing uh later with Alice Karstark and and uh Sigourn, except, you know, he doesn't really give them away, he kind of arranges it, right? But same idea to try to get that kind of loyalty uh working together. Yeah, away. like
0: he ob- he obviously is like very Yes, wildling woman? No, Stannis. You can't try your stuff with them, but everyone else, yeah, you're free to play around, I guess.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah right. Go make
0: alliances
1: elsewhere. Go make marriage alliances somewhere else.
0: <laughs> when he does match up, Alice and Sigorn, it's obviously, like, geographically helping her, claim-wise, right, and landing, fighting back against her shitty family, but he's also giving away a northern girl, which she's totally cool with, and whatever, you know, she's like, alright, this saves my life, sure, but He's doing it for the North, and John doesn't really have the right to make that marriage alliance for the North, right? That's not what the Night's Watch does. So Stannis is doing all these things right now, but later when John does that, he's like giving into that, I could be a Northern Lord bit, and Uh yeah, she came as a refugee to the Wall, but the the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch doesn't make marriage arrangements. That's not what they do. That's yeah. not, like, okay. So he's bending his vows later on with that, and it's interesting because Absolutely. he is reminded of Arya through Alice, and that's the first bending, but the next Arya, where he goes to save Arya from Winterfell, is what kills him. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I remember when we first covered this stuff on Dava's on fingers, just freaking out when he's t- making these arrangements and marrying people off, and... You know, just he's forgetting what that role really means. That he's that he's now. It's not ready. your job. And uh, <laughs> yeah, stay in your lane, like you yeah. said. He's, you know, we talked about how similar Stannis and Jon are in a uh-huh. lot of ways. He's maybe learning from Stannis here. Eh, is this line here? Maybe it's maybe it's five feet yeah. that way. Where is this line well, exactly? Well, and what
0: happens when you cross the line that you shouldn't have crossed? You die. New line.
3: Oh.
1: Yeah, actually, though, that is what happens. (laughs) That's literally what happens. So, not
0: everybody... Not the first time, Yeah, not the first time.
3: He has to cross it, like, several times.
0: Yeah, it it really says something that, like, those men are pretty, uh, they're pretty forgiving, John. I'm just saying, so you shouldn't have pushed
3: it. it, Reading it again, like, and when we cover them, and you guys will get there and, and dance, like, it is... It's really easy to see why the Night's Watch is fed up with John. It's really easy to see the way George writes it. I didn't pick up on it the first time I read it, but, like, covering it on the podcast, like, he does things, and you get it mostly through his POV, and so it's somewhat normalized. Like, again, this is about the others. We have to do everything we can about the others. And so you get that feeling. But looking at it from their perspective, it is easy to see. You're trotting all over everything they're about yeah. to do what you're mm-hmm. trying to do. And, like, he just does not see it, partially because he alienates himself from his friends and stuff, which is, um,
2: yeah.
1: For sure. But in this moment, Jon is still trying to be like, no, I'm not that a me. And he uses the word whoever in regards to who will take Winterfell. And Stannis is just like, oh, so you're refusing me? No, he's like, no one has ever said no to me before. But actually, that's not true. Everyone said no to him many times, which is why he's actually here at the wall. <laughs> A lot of people have said no to Stannis. Very many people. <laughs> Everyone, in fact. <laughs> Except Melisandre. That's true. Uh, and then so John finally goes and he goes sings like M2Ms, Don't Say You Love Me from the first Pokemon movie. I never understood why they chose this song for that movie. It's It haunts me to this day. Um... And he asks, "Give me some time to make this decision." And
3: yeah, he he over he. I think he's he's like, "Well, let's let's not be hasty. I didn't mean I won't. I didn't mean I won't. Just hold on. Let's back up a minute. Let's not go too fast. Yeah. You know, this is when you overplay your hand a little bit, and they're about to take the offer back. Right? And you're like, "Wait a minute. Let's let's keep let's keep talking about this a little bit."
1: There's that, and also he's just like, I, "I'm not trying to piss off this king who just helped us out." Yeah. A shit ton. Hmm. I mean no
0: one else is helping them. Yeah. So it I mean, is kind like, of like a stale like a checkmate, right? Like this is like a what do I do? I mean I'm not saying it's not a hard. It's always been hard, the choosing. Yeah.
1: The choosing's coming soon. Yep. In at the night's watch for the new leader. But until then, Stannis is like, Okay, fine, you have some time, but don't tell anyone about what happened here.
3: And then he ends. By telling him, you need only bend your knee, lay your sword at my feet, and pledge yourself to my service. And you shall rise again as John Stark, the Lord of Winterfell.
0: Man. Stark. Stark. Everything he's ever wanted is right there, and what will our hero do? what will
3: he do I'm, I'm telling you whatever he does it's gonna be with <laughs> angst
0: it's, it really will it'll be while he listens to hawthorne heights or like fugazi even if we want to go far you guys back. in makai
3: matt always uses dashboard confessional which i don't know
0: Um, yeah I like yeah i like that I, too that's a good one to look at dashboard confessional i i i could see him really jamming out to the song again i go unnoticed
3: your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea who Dashboard is. You that. just threw the name
0: out there
1: and didn't know.
3: Matt, Matt, that's what oh Matt always gosh. says. Okay, I know that's John's soundtrack, according yes, to Matt. Yes, yeah. I mean, this chapter to me is so much about just like, I'm in the middle of a conversation. I have no idea what's even going on right now. That's most of my summary of this chapter is John just being like, okay, I'm up on the <laughs> wall. It's cold. I have no idea what this guy is going on about, but I don't really want to piss him off. I also don't want to give in to him and give him all the power. What is going on? Uh, that is like my so summary of this chapter. What's
2: going on?
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. It could be Four Non Blondes. It could be uh, The Middle by Jimmy Eat World. It could be... Oh, I love that song. <laughs> that is a good one. Maybe an acoustic version of mm. The Middle. I don't know. Ooh. There could be a couple songs. God, I... I really feel for John, man. This is really rough because this is like... He could take the easy way out. Yeah. He's not going to, but he could. On the on the cast, when we did it, I said he
3: should. I said if you're really looking at the goal... Um, and I'm not sure I feel the same way about it now, but if you're really looking at the goal of defeating the others, taking this might be the best thing for everybody. And you're going to piss a lot of nights, people, night's Watch people off, but if you get more troops to the wall... Um, that's that's doing what we need to do and that's true you're sacrificing a lot but the first part of this chapter really or the first thoughts I have on this chapter are really just about this is a verbal this is a verbal sparring where like neither one of them even knows what they're punching at
1: <laughs> that's true
3: Stannis is usually the one who and in fact the last two times you see him he's the one that's being asked for stuff People are coming to him asking to uh, to burn uh, to burn Edric. Right. That's basically the last two times we see him. People are always begging him for for mm-hmm. permission to do things. And Stanis is this is flipped for him on this one. He has to ask someone else for something, and he's no good at it. He's probably never been had to do it in his life, and he doesn't know how. Further, his co counsel Mel also gives zero fucks about it and just wants to bludgeon John into doing what they want. Just burn the God'swood. Yeah. Right? So, between not knowing how to do it, you know, and just generally being Stannis-y about it, he's awful at it, and it takes forever to even get to the point. And this perhaps is the best summary of Stannis in the series for some people to me. He puts people off. His nature is such that no one is comfortable around him, nor agreeable to who his approaches or caresses at all, right? He's, he's the worst candidate for becoming a king. But maybe he wouldn't be the worst ruler of them. But he, but he's terrible at becoming one. No, nobody. You can't. No one can suffer his touch. Ew. <laughs> yeah, that's see? a that's a that's a way to you. phrase it. And then and then the second half, when you come back and you you look at it as you should, with the scope of every single thing you look at in the series, is the existential threat of the others, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that is when you're talking about you know should I be driving a Tesla or a Dodge Ram and the other people are like horse and carriage is cool you're like no dummy like this is out there about to kill us and so it's it's (laughs) for all Stannis' grinding lack of social awareness and effectiveness at least he knows what the score is right now yeah right and so it's it's hard for him to be patient and Mel too when they feel like they know what the real problem
0: is I mean, he's offering Winterfell to this random bastard that he doesn't actually really know. Yeah, that's true. To give him that credit, he is humbling himself and coming to this guy and being like, look, you're the last of the Starks and you're all I got and I don't want to give it to any of these other dudes. You're who I would like to give it to. I feel like you're a better suitor. It's your place. And I feel like there just isn't It's hard to really judge both ways on that, right? Because you have some of these little good things. Like, it would be, John would be great as the ruler of Winterfell when you think about it. It, Reluctant leaders usually aren't great. We see Robert Baratheon. uh, But John would be different because he does love Winterfell. And that's what stops him from accepting it because he would have to burn down the Weirwood and burn his family's gods down. And he would be able to
2: change any of
0: it hmm He decides that the price was too high. hmm And it was not
2: yeah. worth paying. Yes.
0: Yes. And And I think there's a little bit of that fear from his childhood too of of Rob and him fighting with swords in the yard and him saying, I'm Aemon the Dragon Knight, and him saying, I'm the Lord of Winterfell, and Rob saying, No, you're not. I think mm-hmm. that's in there. I think that's deep, 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 deep seated within there, and he knows because thing all of these dreams he's had you know, the kings of Winterfell telling him, like, this is not your place. Yeah. Uh, And we know he had a place. Liana would have made sure there was a place for him, and if if the ideas are right there, he probably has has a place on the throne, even if he wants it. There was always a place for Jon somewhere, Uh, but he's grown up thinking that there isn't, and it's always gonna feel that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um so scad
3: a needle pulling thread
1: (laughs) what oh yes um you know you as you said and we've talked about a couple times throughout this this episode have covered this chapter many many moons ago many many years ago way back in like what 2016 how how has this chapter like do you still feel the same about it in terms of... You, you said at one point just now that you didn't in terms of what you think John should have done. So, like, I don't know, how have you evolved in your relationship to this chapter or interpretation of it? Or you as a person, and therefore the chapter.
3: I think it's the last one. Yeah, I think it's the last one. I think um, as I've grown to appreciate the series more and what it's really about, uh, about being about characters and choices and and who you who you are what you believe and how you stand for that um you know what i just said about john making this choice because it's better for everyone that may be tactically true but we're humans we have emotions uh you know we're led by them you can't make those kinds of choices when it destroys who you are and and so I, I don't think I agree with the, the tactical stance of taking this choice and, and doing it, even though the existential threat of the others, as I just said, is there. Because if you start living your life that way, you know, you aren't you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how I've changed my opinion of this chapter.
2: Yeah.
3: And and overall my read of the series. The Mance thing, right? Like, I'm, I was listening to that episode too, and I'm like, oh yeah, you should just kill Mance. He says himself in his thoughts, it would be over if he just did that. Like that's not who John yeah. is. Just murdering someone in cold blood—that's not who John is. And so, you know, while it made sense tactically, you can't—you can't go against your character. Mm-hmm. You are who you are, and if you fight that, you've, you know, or if you, you've lost if you betray that. So,
1: yeah, it, the actions, the things that you choose, become who you are, ultimately.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, they define you.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: What about you? Have you guys, as rereading, have, have you changed what you feel about this?
1: I've never thought, I never, like, thought about, like, I think John's storyline and choices especially or I think this decision um, as much. I, th- I don't think I've changed in the belief that John shouldn't be Lord of Winterfell because for me, I'm like, I don't know, John. you made a fucking commitment. You said you're going to be part of the Night's Watch and you gotta do it but that's that's just me personally As who I am
0: I I think he's struggling with that conflict right of um, of who he wants to be loyal to and we actually talked about this in our His Dark Materials episode we just put out but there's a moment where there's a really conflicting kind of relationship with two different characters and the main character thinks like oh who do I owe the most obedience to and for John it's you know, uh, do I owe obedience to Stannis or how am I going to keep these men as well? Yeah. I owe obedience to my men. I owe, he owes the men of the wall that have fought with him and fought wild things. And especially since he just had that whole little uh, oath breaky thing a little bit ago, and, you know, things aren't looking so good. Yeah, he has a PR disaster. Hmm.
1: <laughs> He's got a PR disaster.
0: Yeah.
3: He doesn't have a whole lot of credit to deal with, right?
0: Yeah, he can't be taking these debts like this uh, out. He doesn't have credit right now with the wall. He's barely fighting his way back into their good graces. He got lucky because, you know, Alice and Thorne and Jano suck and no one likes them or listens to them mostly-ish as of now, but they will eventually when he keeps slipping. But I think uh, I think he wants all this. I think he says no because he knows better and he doesn't trust himself either with it. And I mm. think that he starts to let that facade slip through the whole next book because, in A Dance with Dragons, he begins to embrace what it's like to kill the boy and let the man be born, like Eamon comes to tell him. And it's almost the same advice as, like, Quaithe in the stars telling Daenerys to remember who she is, right? It's that moment uh-huh. of just, like, this is who you're going to be, embrace it. And he embraces it. Uh, and earlier, Scaddy were talking about how, you know, in John's POV, we don't see those choices as. Rough as you would from another's, but when we get that same exact Sam chapter, only from Sam's point of view, that's what nails it for me. When you see John's expressions and the acting, that's what tells me what other people are seeing him do in A Dance with Dragons. Um, And him taking on the Lord face, as we've talked about, it it just Mm kind of turns out that when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or die, right? He played politics and he loses. Yeah,
3: or well, does he? He gets to live in a wolf. He gets now. a.
1: He gets a revive. He gets a second chance card.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah,
3: I'm just. I'm just thankful that I can join you guys to talk about this kind of stuff because uh, I think it just it speaks to the power of uh, friendship, love. Well, I guess podcasts, so. but friendship or whatever that you can read something so many times, and until you talk to other people about them, you know, like. Your opinions maybe don't change as much. Well,
0: and maybe, and this might be a little, I don't know, Eliana, stop me if you think this is off-kilter, but maybe the true song of Ice and Fire is actually the friends we made along the way. I mean...
3: Unless you're standing Yeah,
1: that's true. Then it's just the books.
0: But if you're us.
3: <laughs> if you're
1: us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I waffle. So It depends on really how I'm feeling it any day. You know, every every time the question is asked of what is the true song of ice and fire, the gods toss a coin. And... <laughs> on one side is the... yeah
3: That implies there's only two answers. We're still waiting
1: for that coin to drop, too. Penny in the air. On one side, it's the books. On the other side, it's the friends you made along the way.
0: Really, okay. truly.
3: Oh, I see. Depends. Oh, I see.
0: <laughs> Alright, Two-Face. Um... <laughs> uh-huh. Any closing thoughts, Scott? I know we've exhausted your brain on everything you could give us. I'm so happy we had such a, uh, good depth filled up. Ep- I'm worried about going forward because, like, you know, our buddies over at Nauticast, they started Stannis and they had to put out like eight hours of episodes right away. Like, this is our first Stannis-y episode, really, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in-depth Stannis episode. Mm-hmm. So if this is foretelling of the future, I worry for us. So thank you, Scott, for helping us with that. <laughs>
3: It's probably more foretelling of what a windbag is. No, no, and,
0: I mean, I, I, uh, I know that I, I wax too much poetic because I just got so many ideas from you, and I'm worried now because I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, Stannis is that kind of character, isn't he, that, like, you talk about him and you can talk for hours about the guy. It's a very interesting character. Yeah. No matter what you think about yeah. him, he's very interesting to bullshit about. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I think the thing is, like, no matter what you think about him, whether you think he's a good person or a bad person, he's a good
0: character.
3: Yes. Which goes for most of these things, most of these people, right? In this book, in this series, um, no. I mean, I think, I think my biggest regret about this whole experience is that I couldn't bring the sexual entendre, the the double entendre, the sexiness that Matt brought. Last <laughs> week. That's my biggest regret about this whole. Experience. Is it really? Because he, because what, I hate nothing more than making Matt right. And what he said at the end was that you know this would not be as fun an episode; it would be more, more thoughtful. And that sucks. I hate that he's. Right. No,
1: it is yeah. fun. It, they're just different kinds of fun. Like there are different kinds of fruits, and birds. Oh my god!
0: And, and outlaws and birds—is that what you're looking yeah. for? I I don't, I don't know. Some of them <laughs> will
3: poop on your lip, and some of them will sit on your lip.
0: Oh my god, bird lip! I'm really glad that I brought you guys bird lip. That's... I know.
3: <laughs> i'm so excited to use it someday i just have to find you have find kids an opportunity. yeah
0: you have children you just do, you it, to them. Just do it to them I now do. you have a dad joke to use for my dad mm-hmm. to you
2: mm-hmm.
3: i will take it heartily yeah you literally. have to report back <laughs> to, as to
1: how they
0: react to it yeah to bird lip
3: i will do so All
0: right. i will do so this has been a discussion we covered a lot of corners we did
1: <laughs> i'm glad there i learned so many things every time like we have discussions i learned so I many things.
0: And we have so much still, like, we don't, this is, we have what? We have John 11 is now, we have John 12, and then is...
3: There's only one more after this.
0: Right, so we, yeah, we have 12. Oh my god, we're almost at Dance with Dragons. What A are we gonna do? A double it up. Yeah.
3: It's one more, epi- it's it's one more chapter, oh my and it's god. short, it's only like eight pages awesome. of shit. Oh.
0: Well... We uh yeah. we certainly have a lot to contemplate for that chapter. We are gonna have to uh bring it to end out a storm of swords and we're gonna move into a lot of the stuff we talked about tonight. A Dance of Dragons.
2: Indeed.
3: Good luck with that, you guys. I'm Thank so excited you. Thank to hear you more.
0: so much for coming on again. SCAD. Yes. We, uh we were so lucky. It was so my lucky. pleasure.
3: I feel just blessed to be asked, what? to be honest. What? It's just uh... Stop
1: being stop being Jon Snow. Alright, we're trying to compliment you.
3: No, I we don't uh, Matt said this, we don't we don't do this a lot. We don't we're like uh, we're like the jokesters on the side of the fandom that like don't do deep analysis. I don't I don't think we get uh you know I, I, I I'm I'm just I feel super lucky. Thank uh, you for well, that. Well
0: anytime you are always welcome on. We will love to have you back sometime. Uh as you know, we will have other chapters and other characters, so Maybe not a, uh, yes. maybe not another John, but maybe in the future, maybe uh maybe we'll get you guys for a namesake episode. You know, pull mm, in for a Davos. Yes, mm.
1: eventually. I, I think we have to. We I have think to. It's it like would be wrong to not.
0: Not to. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I I loved doing it solo with you guys. Yep, I'm not going to even
0: comment on it. Uh, you got well, it. Yeah. You
3: have your double uh,
1: tantras, Aren't are you pleased?
3: I got I one. Love I got it. one. The got Davos' one in fingers,
0: there. dirty humor, rides again.
3: Hmm. we never stop writing oh ever oh my god yep it continues oh
0: <laughs> please <laughs> let everyone know where they can find davos fingers and you on the internet or if you don't want them to follow you i guess don't tell them
3: uh we are davos fingers uh at gmail.com is our email address you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash DavosFingers. Uh, Twitter is where we're most found. That's just at DavosFingers. And uh, Matt, you'll get to interact with there mostly. He's usually manning the Twitter. And uh, DavosFingers.com is our website. You, we have a, this podcast called Davos Fingers that you can find on uh, Podbean uh, or iTunes or, you know, places. I think that's it. I think I hit them all. I'm really bad at the promotion. No, that, game that sounds
0: about right. You did great. I was uh I was impressed. I give it a 9 out of 10.
1: You did amazing, sweetie.
0: Yeah, no one's perfect. You the know? bar is low. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. Not even me or Eliana. Yeah, Eliana's close. Perfect, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm As always, it's been a pleasure, you guys. You can find us on the internet, Girls Gone Canon on Twitter, or canon at gmail.com. If you want to hit us an email chat about the show, ask us a question, send us your Girls Gone Canon episode. Don't take that out of context.
1: Yeah, for some reason no one sent us anything a few weeks ago and we were like, send us your version of Girls Gone Canon. No one fucking did. I'm disappointed. Yeah. I-, I thought somebody would. I thought we got like really, one. I thought so too, and nothing. Nothing. Even like
0: some harassment, you know? I don't know. Uh. <sighs>
1: Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> you know, I guess you don't have to make us a Girls Gone Canon episode. You could just listen to Girls Gone Canon episodes on Google Play or iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or Stitcher or ACast or something else that we. I'm never going to learn it. It's overcast. We'll get there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, we do have a Patreon. Give it a check out if you have a little money burning in your pocket. Uh, $5 and up patrons do get special episodes every single month. We just put out recently mentorship in A Song of Ice and Fire. It's a blast. We're excited for this month's episode. We'll be releasing that sometime this month and be letting you know very soon what it's about. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Girls
2: Gone Canon.
1: Yes, check out our things on Patreon. And of course, as we said earlier, we are diving even deeper into His Dark Materials and we'll be putting those episodes out more frequently.
0: As always, I have been Chloe, one of your hosts.
1: And I've been Eliana, another one of your hosts. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.